first half, I'm not gonna lie. Oh, could be Wayne! I think I got my swagger back. Oh, oh! I love it, baby! Them orange britches! Something about them orange britches! Ball hit high in the air in the right field. Going back to Sayre. And Tennessee can say hello win column. A grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. You can't draw it up any better. We just won a basketball game, and we're very happy right now. McGrath for the win. He got it. If you don't like college football, and you watch this one, I'm not sure what your problem is. Ready to do and welcome into more important issues. It is Sunday, August 20th. Landon is pissed off at something. I don't know why he just threw his phone down, but my word, he's ready to get going, I reckon. Um, thank you all for thank you all for hopping onto the show. Uh, running a little late because like Thursday, uh, another special interview for you all. So we're excited to get that in this episode as well as a preview of our wide receivers and tight ends um, and then continue on our rewatch of the 2022 season with Georgia. So we'll do it because we committed ourselves to this rewatch, not because we want to. <laughs> yeah. It was. We shouldn't have called. We should have done a whole season rewatch. We should have done our. We should have just stopped after, <laughs> after the last one. We should have well, never. Liked we want to do the Orange Bowl for sure. Yeah, we should have done after Kentucky, and then we just should have done Vanderbilt and, and the Orange Bowl. And in honor of that guy that said that Eli Drinkwitz owns Josh Heupel, we should have also oh, yeah. said we're going to do Missouri, mm-hmm. which is a wild take. Yeah. Shandavian Bradley. He owns him, baby. Um, but, yeah, we'll get, we'll get going on that. Drop your questions in the chat if you've got them, uh, comments, all that good stuff. Um before we do jump in, I want to say how much fun the Hacker Cup was this Saturday. It was our second year at Hole 17. Um, great meeting everybody. Hope some of you guys that were out there are now listening, either right now or on your way to work on Monday morning. Um, it was it was a fun time hanging out. We'll plan on being there next year. Um, hopefully we get to. And then um, whoever um, already blanked on his name. The guy that won the season tickets, close to the pen. He threw one real tight. Anderson was his last name? Uh, yes, I didn't want to. Yeah, we can just go last name like he's a football player. Anderson, um, yeah. he he got what, what, foot and a half? It was close. It was, it was a tough pin, kind of tricky pin. It was front pin, but not quite as front as you thought. And um, playing about 155, I think. I think it was 155 playing like 153. Um, threw it in there real tight. So he earned it. Wasn't a cheapie. Uh, real happy for him. Good prize pack. He got Amari Thomas signature. A couple cool little golf Tennessee Um accessories if you will and uh hope he enjoys the south carolina game i hope everyone gets to enjoy that game honestly yeah for sure so, yeah congrats to him also back. it was yeah it was a, it was a would you say a precursor is that how you word it for the actual tailgate yeah it's a it's a good time of year i don't, I don't know if they're ever planning on changing it but it, it comes just a few weeks before the season where we get it's our pregame like it's our pregame to our pregame we get to kind of get you know, we don't want to just hop out there against Austin P at 7 a.m. And, and and try to get back into the swing of things. We would mm-hmm. never be as successful as we want to be. We got to practice. We got to plan. We got to prepare. We did that yesterday. 
Yeah, yeah, we we got to write down some stuff, or, or I guess keep a mental note of stuff that we need <laughs> to get for the actual tailgate because we're like, oh, we don't have as many tablecloths as we thought, or yeah, maybe we need cups or napkins or you know a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, it was fun to do that, fun to get on the hole, um, be on the links, even though we didn't actually play, but we did get to hit a few times. I threw one in pretty dang tight too. I do think I do think he still beat me. But it was awfully tight. It was pretty close. Yeah. It's good. Would have been a birdie. I would have birdied that. Yeah. Well, we'll tweet, tweet. Yeah. No problem. So good time. Good, good times had by all. Uh, can't wait to do it again next year. Make sure you guys, we, we want to see some of, I want to reverse it a little bit. If you're watching this show, you're already a fan. I want you out there. If you're already yeah. listening to this pod, I want you to come to the Hacker Cup and hang out. Next year, we're going to do a special thing. If you're already following us, we're going to do something special for you. I don't know yet what it is. But if you're already following, already listening, we'll have something for you on number 17. Yeah, and if y'all didn't get to to see, we did get some hats made. Really cool hats. Um, Two left? Right. Does Xander Seacrest, or did they all get sold? I think they might be done. All right, we'll work on round two. University I, there, might be one, there might be one left, but I think it's close. So okay. if, if you want to check. Another, yeah. Maybe another order coming up, though. That's the good yeah. news. Thank you all for buying those. Uh, they look great. I love them. Um, they're awesome. I, I hope to see some around this year. Um, if you can't buy the more important issues hat and you need one for for September 2nd, just go buy the Tennessee version because they're great too. I pretty much That's all I pretty much wear to football games now. Yeah. yeah. Great hats. The Imperial brand is um, hard to beat. Imperial. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what did I say? Imperial brand is Imperial. It's Oh, okay. I was like, I was like, did I say it wrong? No, you said it right. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, go check them out. University Traditions did a great job on those ads. Before we get into the full pod, let me give you guys a proper um, ad read for some of our favorites out there too. That is Underdog. Underdog is Knoxville's best sports collectible store with a wide selection of UT cards, autographs, and memorabilia. Whether you're looking for a Peyton Manning autographed helmet or the most recent Topps baseball card release, you'll find it at Underdog. The shop is owned by UT graduates and proudly supports UT sports by hosting NIL events throughout the year. Stop by the 640 Plaza at 4452 Western Avenue in Knoxville. They're open six days a week with live YouTube shows three nights per week. Find a Domino's, you'll find Underdog. Remember, always bet on the Underdog. Shout out to Underdog Sports. Yep. Also, let's do a, let's do a quick ad read for us. If you're listening right now, do me a favor. Whatever you're listening on, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. I don't know if you can share things on YouTube. Retweet it, re-exit, whatever we're calling it. Do that, like it, go on to Spotify or Apple, subscribe, leave a five-star review, tell your friends to subscribe, and leave a five-star review. We appreciate you all. We love you all. Please do that. Yep. We never tell people to do that. I feel like we should. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Make me happy. Yeah, great job on doing that because we always forget. Thank you. Um, Yeah, go do that. We do have a question. You just want to go ahead and read it all. Let's do it. Let's get right into it, dude. Randy. Already in already in the chat right here says in your opinion best defensive player on the roster this year, Aaron Beasley. Yeah, I think it, I think that's that's it. Or not as impactful in the grand scheme, but best in terms of like doing what he does. Amari Thomas. Yeah, I think those two guys. If I'm going somebody <laughs> different, maybe a little wild card. Okay. I think I might go to Nico Slaughter. Okay. Not the wild card I was thinking. I didn't know if you were going to go someone that plays, you know, after the whistle, all that stuff, which we don't have that guy right now. May yeah. find a new one. No. Yeah, not yet. Maybe maybe we will. But, yeah, I do think 
than Nico Slaughter could be. I think the most talented right now, from what I'm hearing, I mean, I, I guess everybody kind of is assuming the same thing. By the time he's done done at Tennessee, it might be Aaron Carter. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I still am – I'm excited, like, what's been and coming we haven't out. even seen him play one time. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> like, I, I'm excited about what's coming out, and there's been – you know, obviously we're going to get into it, and Ryan Shumpert doesn't comment directly on that because they can only see so much, but he's talked about what other players have seen, and that excitement's there within the entire program. I am still a wait-and-see mode. He's a freshman. He's a freshman. But he is going to – He's going to have a little home course advantage, right? Playing in Nashville. It's not too far from Smyrna. Okay. Yeah. A little home course, home track. Okay. Yeah. Feel, feels more comfortable getting – gets in the yeah. swing of things. Exactly. Um, going against a crap team in Virginia. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. We're in seven. You're a single digit. You got to play well. You have to. That's what we also talk about. I'm, I feel like I'm just going to ruin the interview, but I won't get into what we talk about with Ramel Keaton, but – Talk about him not being too flashy. Um, it's going to be hard this year. Yeah. We're in single digit. He might look a little flashier. It's true. It's true. We'll he see. is. He is in number nine, which we're in seven. You're single. That number hasn't stood out since what Derek Barnett, and that was on defense. So I'm thinking offensively. Was it Marquez Calloway? Was he number nine his freshman year? I think he ran a. Uh, he was. I think. Was, what was Preston Williams? Was he a nine? Hmm. I don't remember what Preston Williams was. He wasn't here very long. No, he wasn't. I feel like I remember him. Did he score a touchdown? I feel like I may remember him scoring Vaughn a Pearson touchdown was number, in nine. number nine. Von Pearson was number nine. That may be who I'm thinking of. Um, not really entirely sure. But, yeah, that's uh, going to be tough to hide that guy. But, hey, we'll see what we can do. Let's let, with On that note, let's jump into wide receivers and the pass-catching guys, the wide receivers and tight ends, because they do more than block. Shout out to them. Yeah, which one do you want to do first, tight ends or wide receivers? Let's do wide receivers. We're already talking about them. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I think this – I mean, veterans all across. And I think it's wild that this is arguably one of the most talented positions on this team and you're replacing two third-round draft picks. Yeah, there's definitely – It doesn't happen very often. But I, no. I think that's, that's why you're in – I think no matter what – who you have personnel wise, you're going to have good wide receivers in this offense. From yeah, now on, I, you're going to have t- talented guys that want to come here. I mean, Mike Matthews committed. Um, Nathan Laycock last year was a high profile guy, so you're going to get talented guys in here. So I, th- I don't think that's a position you're going to have to worry about it ever. Yeah, absolutely. I, I not. There's definitely still some because there's like even like Squirrel White. Yeah, he performed well when when called upon, but he's going to have a different role this year. So I'm kind of curious, like where, how does he take a next step? Does he, um, does he fill that void? Maybe that you know, like a Jalen Hyatt left with the, the speed factor. Um, not not can't be entirely sure, but the fact of the matter is, like you know, there is talent there, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how the coaching staff uses it. I mean, they're going to try to find a way to get the balls into the in the playmakers' hands. Period. And mm. so it's good that you have playmakers where sometimes in the past you've been searching for who are those playmakers going to be. Yeah, I was doing kind of a little bit of math in my head. And, you know, the four guys that are, you know, probably in that first group of wide receivers and, and Squirrel and Dante and Ramel and Brew, um, 
those four guys combined for like 2,000 yards last year. Yeah, which is crazy because Ramel started for over half the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm, well, we said that in Kentucky game. He got, he got, that got quite a few touches, but uh, um, that's, that's pretty insane. You're returning 2,000 yards with what you lost. And I know Cedric was, wasn't much of a factor last year, but still. Well, yeah, and Squirrel Watt didn't play that much and still had 30 catches, almost 500 yards. I mean, if you get playing time in this offense, no matter if you start or, or not, I think there's opportunity to, to have to make plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'm interested. I kind of want to go tight ends first because I think the lack of depth at tight end. We're, we're, forced, we're halfway forced, through wide receivers. I know, but but forces <laughs> forces this staff to play four wide receivers. You think? Oh, you think we see it this year? Yeah, I do. Okay, I just, I just, I think. Who are you leaving out? You're, you're not leaving out Ramel. You're not leaving out Brew. I think Dante Thornton, if he's as talented as everybody's saying he is, he's playing. And Squirrel White, I think you have to play four guys. I mean, I I personally would love that, but I almost I think I could have made the same argument last year, seeing how talented Squirrel White was. Yeah, that's true. And then yeah. do we ever see it if Cedric go, doesn't go down? Because then you also have Ramel Keaton in that lineup. Yeah. Who would be your fourth guy? So I, I don't, I just, I would love to see it. And I'm not asking for it every down, like I don't, or every drive, but I, I think it would be, you're already stretching the defense as thin as possible. What could you, I, and I do think Josh Heupel and um, previously Alex Golish, but we're very willing to throw in new packages, sometimes for just the sake of doing new packages, but I think also to throw a wrinkle in uh, to, have difficulty defending. I mean, for God's sakes, they put a fullback on the field. I mean, this is supposed to be the the, the most high-powered offense, and we're going back to, to 2006 or even later than that and seeing a fullback on the field. So I think they're willing to do it. I hope they do it. I would like to see it. But I'm not convinced yet. Yeah, I, I guess it's one of those you got to see it to believe it. But I, I just think with those four guys, I, I feel like you have – to some out, maybe you don't see four wides, but I, I think you, the amount of snaps all four of those guys, I think you have basically four starters there. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would 100% so, agree with that. I, I mean, part, part of why like tight ends are so important is because they just don't sub. And I know we're going to talk about that later on with, with Ron Schummer, but they just don't sub. And mm-hmm. so when you're when you're not subbing, you're not switching out receivers, um, or you're not switching person. I, I guess the the amount of personnel that you have. Now you might switch out a, a receiver now and then because runs a you know fade route. Maybe we get a sack. You're throwing a guy in there so he doesn't have to run all the way back and try to run another one. So yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I mean, we can, I don't know where where do we want to start or where do we want to break in? Do we do you want to? You tell me. You're the guy in charge. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm I'm interested to see how good Dante Thornton is. We do have a question about that. Walter MacArthur says, how do we feel about Dante Thornton? I mean, I feel like you have to feel good, which what's coming out right now, but it is that kind of wait to see. that. I mean, why didn't – I guess the question – why didn't he have better numbers at Oregon? Yeah, I'm patiently, opti- I'm patiently optimistic about him. I mean, there was a lot of – uh, worries about Jalen Hyatt even one year into Josh Heupel's offense, um, and then he he exploded. Dante Thornton doesn't necessarily get that same 
grace period. I'm going to just be a learning curve from the get go. So I'm patiently optimistic, but it's very clear that like that's the ability is there. Um, What's I guess the buy-in factor? Because that seemed to be a big part of Jalen Hyatt in year one. Like maybe if he buys in year one is different. Um, So I'm interested to see, but it's also one of those things. Like if he doesn't show out early, you just mentioned the three, the other three guys, he may not see the field very often. Yeah, and I guess that is a good thing is like, I mean, this staff, if you're not getting it done, they'll just play three guys. They they're right. if they don't feel comfortable playing anybody else, they're not. Um so yeah, if Don, if Dante Thornton if the buy in isn't there, then and I'm not saying it's not. I No, no, I'm just speculating really, in terms of like we don't yeah. know anything. But so. a guy that's six five, two oh five that, you know, runs a four four and has good hands, why the heck is he only having seventeen catches at Oregon? Right. So I think it's yeah. a fair, fair like concern, but also, but the good thing is he's going to be open. <laughs> yeah, and this this offense is a little bit more high powered than even the best of Bo Nix. It's true. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm okay yeah. right now. I'm okay I'm, right I'm now. I'm interested, um, but I, I think I mean you have a great option with Brew McCoy. I mean, doing the the rewatch, you you were talking I think in the interview about Ramel you know, coming up in huge moments. Dude, mm-hmm. Brew McCoy is that same way. I mean, he he scores that touchdown in, right before the half against Florida. He has that big catch at Pitt. He has the catch at, at against Alabama to set up that field goal. I mean, just he dominated against uh, LSU. I think he had 140 yards, had a great game in the Orange Bowl. I mean, he showed out the entire year and only had like 600 yards. But there he was in big moments, and, and now he's set up to probably – make an even bigger impact um over there kind of i guess i don't know what receiver they call it different stuff but in college that was the why that was kind of out by itself right um and so he he kind of fits that mold and um he's a big dude and can can block and you know do a lot of things so i'm i'm super excited about brew mccoy and kind of what he brings and he just has that kind of it factor about him yeah, which is, makes me curious for him how he was seemed to be that go to guy in big moments. Seemed to always be there and and be sound. And you assume he gets the ball. He's the most seasoned guy on the 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 roster right now at wide receiver. So you assume he gets the ball more. Can he handle that that full load? I'm kind of curious. Like that's my question. It's not like how good will Brew be all that. We we know how good he is, but getting kind of being. Handling the full load, can he do that? I'm I'm interested to see. Yeah, I think I think I I don't know why he couldn't. Tell me why he couldn't. How about that? Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to do a lot of stuff like we saw at Georgia. Like if they're going to run some fade routes, and if they're not there, they just come back to the football and get a, a five yard gain. And if they break a tackle, then it's off to the races. Um, I think you'll see a lot of that from from him. You'll see a lot of where they kind of split out wide and and stack. And one just goes blocks the corner, and the other one just stands there and catches the ball and, and runs up the field. So yeah, um, it doesn't have to be anything flashy with these receivers. You know, they're they're going to get theirs regardless. And I'm excited to see kind of what everything we're hearing about Joe is. You know, good. He's a good leader, and you know he's got rapport with these receivers. He had he had great rapport with Ramel Keaton and Squirrel White because he threw to him so much last year for them being. Um, 
you know, part of that second team offense. So I think yeah. that's that's something to watch too. Is like who is his favorite target? It was two years ago. Hennon's favorite target was Cedric Tillman, and there was no doubt about it. E- even the first of last year against Pitt, it, it was Cedric Tillman. Then it became mm-hmm. Jalen Hyatt. Um, but it, who's who's Joe's? It seemed like last year during you know mop up time when he was in, it was Squirrel. Um, I so we'll see that a guy named Squirrel too. So I get it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I would love it. Uh, I do. My, I do. Can I rant for just a moment? Yeah, please. So I had a fantasy football draft today. If you guys are just getting in, um, you drafted. I, I would. I wouldn't have taken Jalen high as as high as and it was a rookie draft, but as high as they were, he was taken still. Um, but someone, a Tennessee fan, strangely enough, which credit to them, maybe they just wanted to seem unbiased. Um, you know, made the comment he's not going to be good. He was in a gimmicky offense, and like to an extent, there's Who a level. This? I won't name names. You got to call them out. I'm not naming names. <laughs> I'm not doing that. All but right, tell me after. <laughs> but. And, like, I'll hear you out. Like, yeah, sure, some of his touchdowns were just, you know, scheme where he's butt naked open. Sure. But he scored 17 touchdowns. It wasn't all 17 of them. Yeah. And then, sure, you know, and he did get more space to work with, but he's, like, he wasn't ever, like, he wasn't just covered in, like, he wasn't like, oh, well, let's scheme this down and he's, Still barely breaking from these guys. No, he's still got butt naked open from, yes, wide splits. But let's look at all these Alabama wide receivers that have come out in recent years and been some of the best wide receivers recently in NFL, in the NFL. I, I bet 60% of the touchdowns were they're t- just taking slants to the house because they're playing man, man coverage. And they just get to catch a three-yard slant and then beat one guy. I know it's not gimmicky, but like it's the same level of like what are they really doing that's going to translate to the NFL? And that was never yeah. talked about. So I don't get it. And then also now Jalen Hyatt's playing good in preseason in um in camp and then in preseason games. And the same thing's being said. I just don't get it. And I'm not sitting here parading Jalen Hyatt as the best rookie wide receiver. It might be Cedric Tillman, by the way. Uh, another Tennessee guy. But I'm not sitting here parading Jalen Hyatt as the best. I'm just sick of hearing the same talking points when he's proven those talking points wrong. Well, I just don't. I just don't get it because it's like he's he's getting hammered for being open, right? You right, and and right. I would I would way rather a receiver be open and make a catch. That's more impressive than not being open and making a catch. I think you're I, a, a better receiver gets open more. Yeah, I, I think there is a level. To, yes, but I think there is a level like Cedric's probably going to be. What's going to make him better is like. They're, the corners in the NFL are just exceptional, and they get away with a little bit more, which they probably should. If I had to try and stop some of the dudes that are running there, I'm not doing it without grabbing their jersey, okay? Doesn't matter how athletic you are. You're running backwards against them. Um, but, yeah, Cedric's probably going to be a little bit more successful because he can go up and challenge guys and make catches very consistently. Um, but, yeah, Jalen gets open, and that's a, a sane thing to be a knock on a guy. Yeah. And, I, and the same talking point. He can't run routes. Show me where he can't run routes. On film, show me where he can't run routes. Why is he getting open in preseason camp if he can't run routes? Why is he getting open in preseason games if he can't run routes? Show me on film where Jalen Hyatt can't run routes. Because I'm sick of this. Oh, he just – how is he open if he can't run routes? 
if a route results in a touchdown, who gives a shit what it looks like? <laughs> what, like, what does that mean? If he, oh, it doesn't mean. What does it, it mean? It's just their way of coping. To, I don't, I don't know. I don't like. All we heard was Keely Ringo dominated Cedric Tillman. I just rewatched that Georgia game. He made one good play in the end zone, where we basically threw it up for grabs, and it was too far, and Keely Ringo caught it. The rest and of the made, game, he did Cedric, make a really good catch. Yeah, but the rest of the game, Cedric Tillman had his number. Yeah, with a good. bum ankle, he's very good. So Cedric yeah, Tillman's very good, but yeah, Keely Ringo's very good. I don't understand the. Yeah, gimmick. I guess the New York Giants have a gimmicky offense because he's scoring a ton in practice and he scored a touchdown in the preseason game. So, I yeah, sorry. I just had to. We were talking about wide receivers and these guys leaving. I just had to to talk about it. So, because it was an insane that I'm hearing the same talking points when he proves them wrong over and over and over again. And sure, maybe seventeen. You know, seven of his seventeen touchdowns he scored butt naked open, but he did not score all eleven butt naked open or the other eleven. 10, 11, whatever I said, butt naked open. Well, that's like, I mean, be better. Opposing right. teams, be better. I mean, like Kentucky, you, you see a guy have almost 700 yards, or I'm sorry, 400 yards and seven touchdowns the past two weeks, and you somehow forget that he's on the field and leave him butt naked? That's that's your problem. That should right. be a knock on Jalen Hyde because other people <laughs> can't cover him. Well, and then like the LSU play uh, late – after that turnover is a great example. He beats the guy with one move. And we're going to sit here and just say it's it's because of scheme, not because his change of pace is absolutely incredible. Yeah. I'm sure that split, that really wide split, threw that DB real far back on his heels, and, and just he couldn't handle it. It was such a wide split, he didn't know what to do. Yeah, if, it, if it's so easy, that's what everybody would do. And, and like the, – the, the other insane thing to me is the same people can't parade how good the SEC is and then sit here and say it's so easy for Jalen Hyatt because it's the SEC or whatever. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Well, Marvin Harrison Jr. should have won the Blitnikoff apparently too. Correct. They also would have won that game. I'm not entirely – I don't know if they would have won. It would have been very interesting if he had not gone out of the Georgia game. I don't think they would have won. It would have been very interesting. It was still yeah. very interesting. But. Yeah. Whatever. I hope John, I hope Deontay Thornton can run routes. I hope they are very crisp. But Jalen Hyde can run routes too, apparently. So yeah, they're gonna be open. So hey, if touchdown results in a or if a route results in a touchdown, that that's the greatest route you can run. What what uh, coach or defensive back said Jalen Hyde can only his route tree is a stick or something like that? It was somebody for the Cowboys. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Are you talking about when he was like working out? I did. Oh, maybe that was it. I thought someone said it just away from Jalen Hyde, but yeah, that may have been it. Yeah, he was like, he's like, all you run is go routes. He's like, oh, are you saying I can't run routes? That dude got drafted by the Giants. Was in their division, so I think my man doesn't watch tape. He just exposed himself. Doesn't watch tape. Johnny Manziel, baby, just go out there and show out. It's hilarious. Um, let's go to, let's go to Todd. I, I, I mean, wide receivers, I think it's, it's going to be just fine. I don't think they're going to yeah. have much of a drop off. I think that is pretty insane that you don't, um, given who I you think lost. Their job gets harder <laughs> with, and I don't, it's not like I think Joe Milton's bad, but I mean, you are going to catch a 10 yard pass at 106 miles per hour. So good luck. Yeah. 
Yeah. Get those I hope you've been on the jug machines from about a yard away to simulate that. Yeah. I wonder how often they have to get new gloves. I mean, they, I guess they probably get some every game I would assume, but, um, I'm sure he's just wearing out them gloves. Yeah. Oh yeah. New, new ones every drop. I wonder if wide receivers, you know how like you take an ice bath and you're kind of like up in the, mm-hmm. you have your arms up on the side. I wonder if like receivers have to put theirs like in a separate like tub next to it. Could they not just use the same tub? I guess they could. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's more comfortable. It's colder in the other two. I was, I, I never took an ice bath in college. Really? I love yeah. ice baths. Maybe that's why I wasn't very good, but I can't, I couldn't do it. Oh, they're awesome. I think. They and suck, I think they're, they're awesome. I think they're disgusting, honestly, too. Okay. That's kind of I mean, at that point, that's a fair point. Yeah. Pretty gross. Like the people that were in it before me, I just think about that. I'm just like, ah, I'm good. You gotta be first, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't quick enough, I guess. <laughs> All right, let's talk tight ends a little bit. I also like that. Again, I hate to just like spoil everything, but I'm not the only one that calls him uh Callum McCastles accidentally. Like <laughs> the end, how often is a Mick the you know, MC sure. the, the first it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Throws me off. Throws me off. Um, yeah, tight ends, thin group, but you do have a veteran in Jacob Warren who's been here forever, super senior, um, local guy, and then you have a transfer in McCallan Castles, and then you have a a freshman in Ethan Davis who, you know, really showed out in the the spring game. Or the orange and white game, I don't know, whatever you call it. I guess we didn't even have one this year, um, or I guess we did. We did. That was like last year. They last did that. year we did closed that. one. They did yeah. one, but it was closed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he looked he looked promising, and then you know has the collarbone injury, but it is back from that. But I mean, I don't I don't know like what the freshmen look like in terms of. Uh, production like who who has the biggest production i assume maybe it's aaron carter but i think ethan davis is probably right there just based off like what they have at that position yeah yeah and i I think he's gonna see which you saw some rotation there last year with with warren like they're not just playing one guy ideally like they'd like to get everybody in the mix even though um jacob warren and uh princeton fant were like very similar types whereas this season maybe you have different strengths to the guys. So I do think you see them uh, a little bit of a rotation. Uh, I think it seems like they really like McAllen Castles too, um, who's a little bit more – who's more similar to Jacob Warren uh, than maybe Ethan Davis is. I also think just being a veteran guy who's been around this level or this game for a while, that's got to be a benefit to you. Um, probably going to get utilized more, at least at the start for sure. So yeah, I think I think they've got a good. There's no one I guess that really stands out right now, mm-hmm. just above head and shoulders above, and maybe that's because Ethan Davis is young, because you know we, we've heard it, um, just how talented he truly is. But r- right now, maybe no one that stands out head and shoulders above the rest. So I, th- I think you see a good mix this year, and I think you see a couple Ethan Davis touchdowns. Yeah, I'd like to see it. I mean, I know we talk about it a little bit with. Um, Ryan here, and I'm not going to take away from his thunder, but um, Jacob Warren's been in the system, kind of knows the ins and outs of this offense, what's expected out of the tight end position. Um, it's not just catching passes. It's a lot right. of dirty work, a lot of other stuff, and it, it just seems like um, 
having Jacob Warren kind of mentor this group a little bit? Because Ethan Davis, I don't think there's any doubt that Ethan Davis is probably your most talented in this room. Um, now he's a freshman. That's you know yeah, hard to come some, in, right? And he played mostly wide receiver in yeah. high school. Played basketball a lot. Didn't even play much of football. He got injured before his senior season, so didn't even get to really play his senior year at all. Um, but it, but does seem like your most talented guy in that room. But it's it it's a little bit more than just going out there and catching a pass. It's a lot of physicality and, mm-hmm. and different stuff like that that you got to understand. And so that's why I think you'll see a lot of Jacob Bourne. Now I'm interested to see if they kind of use Jacob Bourne as they use Prince and Fant, or is it a little bit like use Jacob Bourne here some, use McAllen Castles here, Ethan Davis some. Because you're going to play two guys. You played – I mean, Jacob Bourne, although he had twelve, only 12 catches, 163 yards, he still played, played quite a bit. Um so one of those other two guys are going to play a lot, and you'll probably see three of them throughout the entire season. Yeah, which I think is a good problem to have a tight end. Where, yeah, but but that. losing Prince of Van, that's a big loss because he did score how many nine versatile too, man. Just yeah. versatile. Did he score nine touchdowns? Pro- that seems low. Five or right. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's a, and that's what's crazy. Like, we talked about full, him lining up at fullback at one point. Like, he also just lined up at running back just last week in our rewatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I like the versatility, man. Lunch, yeah. a, true, a true lunch pail guy, if you will. He, th- he threw one. He threw one. ran for five. He, he went up in that Missouri game and just mossed somebody in the back of the end zone. So, yeah. he, he did a lot of things for you. A lot of things that kind of – went under the radar a little bit and you probably didn't know what you had until after the season was over. And you're like, hmm, that Prince of is pretty damn good. Oh, I will say this, and I'm not trying to dog anybody previously, but I think Ethan Davis takes a seam to the house this year. He finishes the play. Mm. Okay, not getting hawked. Not getting not getting hawked. No like more, that. no more uh coming up short on those. I would like nothing more than like an eighty six or even a thirty four. From uh, uh, McAllen Castles just streaking down the middle of the field, okay. just butt naked. Eighty-six yard touchdown. I'm talking eighty-six is what Ethan. I think the number right. says. Yeah. Okay. I thought that's what you meant, but then you you just mentioned McAllen, so I was confused. Okay. Yeah. Then yeah, eighty-six or thirty-four, just yeah. catching a seam and taking it. You know, yeah. sixty-five yards from the house. I have some faith in Ethan Davis. I don't know if he ever gets his number in in in, in a yards for a touchdown. That would be crazy. Okay. I, I don't know if he ever does that. No, I don't I don't know if he ever does. Actually, do you just want to say he does just in case? I mean, is, clip, has, clip it. hold on, hold on, hold on. Ethan Davis, number 86, scores an 86-yard touchdown. Clip that just in case. Yeah, okay. I like that. There you go. Do you want me to redo it so you can say I agree, so we're both in on this? Uh, Yeah, do it. Okay, ready? Number 86, Ethan Davis, catches an 86-yard touchdown pass this season. I'm in. Yeah, I agree. He Write does it down. It. Noted. Yep. All right, that's just that, that's our segment called Just In Case for future just, reference. Just in case. Yeah. <laughs> just in case we were right. Yeah. <laughs> when we go back and – Even though we may not entirely believe it ourselves. We have we a receipt. It. We said it. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, where are we at? Sorry. That's our tangent. No, we're still, yeah, we're, we're still, still talking, talking. – we're in a tangent, I, I guess. We're doing good. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what else. I, I do think the lack of depth probably helps. Maybe you can go four wide receivers. Um, I mean, especially if Dante Thornton is 205, 65. I mean, can he not throw a block in there every now and then? I just like that you said we're talking tight ends. Are we going to see four wide receivers this year? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sorry, dude. I'm a wide receiver hard. I just, I just need that. I need that in my life. I need four wides, baby. I, listen, I think you could certainly see it. You could argue that when Ethan Davis is on the field, you have four wide. You just, you know, you kind of mentioned his background. You mm-hmm. could argue that. Whereas that hasn't necessarily been the case. We also, you know, I think in a different way and not as skillful way, I'm not, you know, maybe because of the color of his skin, but McAllen Castles, you know, is also more of probably a downfield threat than than even Jacob Warren. So even with him, like I do think as Josh Heupel recruits and, and this continues, offense continues to get better, we're not going to be as frustrated by the lack of pass catching abilities by the tight ends. So we may see four wide receivers in a different way. Okay, yeah. But I'm with you. I, I would like to see Brew or Mel. Well, we go no running one. back. We go empty. We have a tight end and four wide receivers. Okay. I think I would like to see – take the tight end out and empty. Like, give me Dylan Sampson or Jalen Wright out there. We go, can, we go, go five, five wide, wide full wide, full <laughs> five wide. But you can, yeah. all, you, know, you can shuffle those guys out. So. Who's the fifth wide receiver? Is it Caleb Webb, Chaz Nimrod? I've heard good things from them too. So whoever Caleb it is. Probably Caleb somebody. Webb, right? Yeah. Throw them out there. I think you do. I think you go running back. Motion them okay. out. Go a little stomp. We don't we don't see stomps very often anymore. It's all this. I don't like it. I want a good stomp. Yeah. I'd like to go um yeah, let's do quads and then Quads on one side, and then opposite side, we run the speed option. Nick Saban would have an aneurysm if he saw four four wide receivers stacked. I mean, yeah, and then we ran speed option to the opposite side. (laughs) Yeah, he wouldn't know what to do. There'd be a whole press conference on how the game of football is coming to an end if that happened in the SEC. It probably has already happened, but it probably didn't work, and so it's never been done again. Lane Kiffin would go on a rant about how NIL is just ruining the sport and you guys are legalizing cheating. I mean, they have four wide receivers on the field at the same time. In the same spot. Right. Well, dude, I mean, I guess we're about to get into Georgia, but I mean, Darnell Washington was basically another tackle that could catch a football, and that pissed me off. (laughs) He Truly, and then it doesn't stop there for them. Yeah, then they that's not even their best tight end. It's not their best tight end. Brock Bowers is really freaking good. And it pisses me off. Yeah, I hate him. All right, you want to get into How does the Blitnikoff work? Can can you win it as a tight end? The Mackey is the tight end award. Right. But he had I saw on a graphic, so I don't know if it's real, that Brock Bowers had really good odds to win the Blitnikoff. Really? It could have been just a joke. I don't. I got might have gotten got. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe I don't know. Okay, I was just curious. He's essentially a wide receiver. Yeah. Good question. All right, let's jump to Georgia. Yeah, this is tough, but let's set the stage a little bit. I think we can get in and out of here pretty quick. I'm not against it. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, number one, Tennessee. Sounds sounds pretty cool. 
<laughs> you know, it only lasted for a week, but it sounded good. I'm um, still conspiracy. I'm still conspiracy on this. They made us number one to piss Georgia off. Oh, 100%. This, that's exactly what it was. Number three, Georgia. I mean, they could play – like Kirby Smart has dreamt of this day since this? they became like really good, that, that they aren't number one anymore, so they're the underdog. He was panicking going into this one thinking, how am I going to motivate these guys? Yeah, and then we just gave a ride to him. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this one was in in Athens, three thirty, CBS, of course. Gary Danielson just loving it. Um, Georgia was a ten point favorite going into this one. Sellout crowd, ninety two thousand seven hundred forty six. It's not that impressive. Um, <laughs> yeah, this it was a tough it was tough to watch. I do think. Tennessee belonged on the field. I don't think – like, I think they ran into a buzzsaw. They ran into a really good team. That was better than them. Had more depth than them. Had more talent than them. Um, But also, like, we had a way better showing than TCU did in the national championship. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm going to say this next part. I don't mean, like, I don't think Tennessee ever had a chance. But going into – like, going into this game, I I did feel fairly good. Like, I feel like Tennessee played really good football, you know – it could it could be a game, and and I still I, I'm not with the Georgia fans. They're like it could have been a blowout. Yeah, it could have been, but you didn't do it, huh? That's weird. Yeah, so y'all just took it easy on Tennessee. Good for you. Y'all are really nice. Um, I'm sure that's what Kirby Smart was thinking on the headset. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, and like started you know at the start of this rewatch, I did kind of get reminded of it. That opening drive recover that results in a field goal um, results in you know part of it part of it being because you shoot yourself in in the foot. Um, you, you're just like hurting yourself, hurting yourself, and then you have to settle for a field goal with really good field positioning. Um, kind of felt like it set up the day. Like no matter what you did well, it all got negated by something, either by your your own un, your own doing penalties or Georgia just played really good. It just never felt like everything could go Tennessee's way all at once. Now you you, you could never stack chips, and it was just a really hard day. And it kind of felt like that even when you got something positive. It went that way. And then there was a, a point later in the game. I'm not trying to jump around too much, but, you know, where you fumble, then you get the ball back, and then you can't go score. You can't do anything with the resulting drive, and it's very frustrating. Like, it's just, again, never felt like you could really get any momentum going. You would change the tide real quick just to have it right back on you. Yeah, it was like we were, you know, our car was stuck in the mud. Like, yeah. You get it going for a second, then you'd fall right back in into the hole that you just made because you're you're just we just it just kept spinning. We didn't have, four, we didn't have four-wheel drive that day. No, we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> we didn't have four-wheel um, drive. And I felt like at the point where you're just like, man, we gotta we gotta keep throwing it because you know we we don't have time left. And then it just poured rain. Right. So I mean that that famous song by Luke Combs, "When It Rains It Pours." That that's exactly <laughs> what it seemed like in this game. No Tracy um, Chapman, though, that's for sure. No, no. Um, yeah, it was just – it was just like there was times where we would get the ball out in space and we let one guy take us down. And you, we just couldn't break that tackle to break a big playoff. Um, and it seems like any time that they tried a big play, you know, there was – a couple, the one to Lad McConkey, the one to Arian Smith early on in the game. Like they took shots and, and and hit on them. We tried to take our shots and we couldn't hit on any of them. 
Right. And that's another, like, credit to Stetson Bennett. He played, he played really well. And I'm not saying, like, he didn't at other times in the season, but we were really hoping we would get the Missouri Stetson Bennett. And instead, we got an SEC championship level Stetson Bennett. Or even a floor the week before, he had two yeah. interceptions. Um, yeah, we would have yeah, loved we, to have that Stetson Bennett. Yeah, we, we didn't get any of that. But, I mean, I do think we, we belonged on the field. We made them earn it. We had two turnovers. Just couldn't really do anything with it. Jalen Hyatt gets – I'm not making excuses because Tennessee lost this football game. But Jalen Hyatt earlier in that game gets a little banged up. Cedric Tillman's coming back for the first time pretty much after his ankle injury. And it just didn't seem like our offense kind of had any flow. And if we did get a couple um, first downs here and there, like you said, we'd shoot ourselves in the foot with a false start or you know some sort of pre-snap penalty that just – negated everything yeah. just took all the all the wind out of the sails right and i think too like we we've talked about it throughout the this rewatch and how important the the running game is for tennessee and they didn't run the ball poorly necessarily um but they kind of the same thing i was just talking about how they can never build and build like they could not run the ball grouped like they couldn't run consistently well and that made it tough on the offense georgia jumped out to an early look like uh, built a really uh, a good lead early and you mentioned it like Tennessee felt like they had to throw the football a lot so it took away from the run game made it more difficult on Tennessee's passing game Georgia had one of the best pass rushes in football history in college football history that year like it was just truly a, a stack deck against Tennessee and then they just didn't help themselves at times so yeah the reason Georgia is so good is they dominate the line of scrimmage and you yeah. look at the sacks in the game, they had six. We had zero. I mean, yeah. we couldn't touch Stetson Bennett. Um, and that, like that, that play to Lad McConkey. I mean, play action that felt like it took forever to develop. Yeah, and we were and nowhere then, close to him. No. Yeah. Yeah. Just a just a tough game. Um, secondary didn't have a great day at all. I guess you could say that for a lot of games last season, but just it, really couldn't get going. Um, just caught out of position. Bad communication, whatever it was, bad tackling at, at some points. Um, and Stetson Bennett kind of picked you apart. And you, you saw in Stetson Bennett's throw, I think it was today or yesterday, um, how bad his interception was. I mean, like he – we made him look like he was a Heisman candidate. Right. Right. So, you're and welcome, Stetson Bennett, for getting you on – getting you in that – uh that room for, for that ceremony. You're welcome. Also, I hate to do this, but in the sake of me being a true Tennessee football fan and trying to find it to someone to blame besides the team, whatever fan decided to call the starting quarterback for the opposing team hundreds and hundreds of times that night to that, I say F you. Just more motivation. Just more motivation. Like why piss, why piss them off? That's what I want to know. Why? That's honestly kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, the fact that he just got, let it ring. Like you got beat. Well, yeah, but like, why well, said who who told the story? Says a minute tell the story. I don't remember. I think it was told. I don't know. I don't know how it got out. I think that's funny because I'm like the first time I'm just like the, blocking that person. The fact that he did they did it multiple times and he didn't. That seems. See, I would think he blocked. I just assumed he either turned off or something or blocked him at one point. You probably don't do it on the first one. You don't get a random call and block them on the first one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the 10th one, yeah, you're blocking them. I'm thinking two. But it, also could have been, it also could have been from different numbers. 
too. Because mm, okay. the number got like sent out. Yeah, I'm just a sure. bunch of frat guys just tossing around their phones. Just if Tennessee's starting them. quarterback's number ever gets leaked, I know I'm calling it that night, and I'm like, go dogs, baby. <laughs> like, I'm motivating them. Clip that, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this eight six five number calling me saying go yeah. dogs? <laughs> I'll start yeah. six seven. That don't worry. Man, ugh. Tennessee is rushing forty two attempts, ninety four yards. That's... Yeah, well, that's also adding in Hendon Hooker's yeah attempts. Yeah, who and he only had seventeen yards. Like Jalen Wright ran the ball okay. Yeah, I thought it, I thought he looked good at times. Yeah. So, Jabari went down in this game, right? But they they played they pl- like that's how you are able to negate like how good this offense is. You're able to man coverage on the outside and stack the box. If you're able to get pressure on the quarterback, then it's effective. If you're not, then we tear you apart. Yeah. Um. And, and you know, like you said, that was one of the best defenses probably ever. It's. Either this year or last year, one of those teams is probably one, the best yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just have they had the talent, they had the depth, and um, yeah, that's why they went on to win a national championship. Yeah. So we'll see if Tennessee can bounce back next week against Missouri. I don't know. Eli Dringowitz owns owns Josh Heupel, so we'll see. He's he's also pretty good in the fourth quarter, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, all right, guys, we're going to go to our interview with Ryan Shumpert. We will be back next week with – we'll do position previews and, and all that and then review of a game, some games. I don't know. But we got to figure this out, do the math. Um, but we're going to go this interview with Ryan Shumpert. Then we'll be back. We, we've had some questions in the chat, so we'll get those when we get back. Hope you guys enjoy Ryan Shumpert from Rocky Top Insider. Keep us now after a short little break there short after the World break. Series. We now welcome onto the show Ryan Shumper of Rocky Top Insider. He's been covering the Vols for a while now, but also through fall camp. We may flash back to a little baseball. We like talking baseball, so I won't promise because Landon Landon's a wild card, so I won't make yeah. any promises. You never for him. know. Never know. Ryan, Ryan, we appreciate you hopping on, especially uh, this time of year, starting to get really, really busy for you. But I know it's exciting. How's uh, how's it like being back on campus now after a short little break there after the World Series? Yeah, the World Series it really shortens that summer break for sure. But no, it's been it good. Uh, I think it'll be probably less good this week when students get back. I got to start battling them for parking uh, on campus. That's never fun. <laughs> but no, it's uh, all's good in August, and uh, obviously super excited for football season to get started. Do they have a media lot. I feel like y'all should get your own parking spot. Well, no, there's not enough parking not. spots even for students either. Right? No. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's the issue. They're not. They're low on parking to begin with, so they're not they're not throwing any bones in the media. Yeah. So you're telling me if I can work on forging student parking passes for media members and I sell that on yeah. the black market, that'd be good for me. Yeah, yeah, I think at a discounted rate, you could definitely get some buyers, <laughs> including myself. <laughs> All right, something we may think about uh, selling in the more important issue store in the future. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see about that. Uh, what's what's kind of the the vibe around this? I think there's a lot of expectations, maybe more than last year. Uh, even though still some questions, but what's kind of that that vibe, if you will, going into Virginia and, and still in camp? I think vibes are pretty good, and I would agree that I think expectations are even a little bit higher than last year, and I think interest is kind of drummed up a little bit. Not that people weren't mm-hmm. interested last year, but uh, it's, it's been really, really good, and 
Uh, I think, uh, you know, we'll probably get into a lot of fall camp stuff, but, you know, maybe more than anything, what what's clicked with me or I feel like I've just grown in my, my confidence in Joe Milton and more than anything, just where, where his floor is at. I think I had for a lot of the offseason and for good reason, like I thought that the, the bottom could just fall out for Milton. And mm-hmm. obviously that's still possible, you know, a couple bad games, but uh, I just feel a lot better at, He's not going to be terrible, and he's just been right. so solid in camp and was so solid in the Orange Bowl. Uh, and certainly there's some questions uh, with the offensive line, but I think they got enough around them. And uh, if Joe Milton is good, I think Tennessee's floor is dramatically raised, which I, I guess isn't too original of a statement. That's probably true with just about every college football team uh, this time of year. Yeah, and like having Joe, I know it is a small sample size of him just, you know, being good, I guess, on the field is what we're looking for. Um, but but how do you feel as Tennessee as opposed to like other teams like Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State that have to break in a brand new starter? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's certainly an advantage because I think Heupel, more than anything, Heupel and, and Joey Halsley, they have such an understanding of what milks are, what his shortcomings are, where he needs to be helped along. And, and I think that's pretty invaluable. And some of these guys have like Carson Beck, Georgia's program for multiple years, and we'll see who ends up winning the Alabama quarterback job. It could be the case. But it's just different when you've had them starting games and you've been preparing them to start for, you know, half a fall camp back in 2021 uh, that you and you've really seen the development that I think, even though Joe Milton wasn't the guy for a year and a half, I don't think the vision ever broke for Heifel and his staff that Milton's going to be the guy in 23. Uh, and I think that's kind of a, a real – advantageous for Tennessee uh, that even though they are breaking in a new quarterback, I think it's, you know, it sets up to be a lot more seamless and maybe uh, that can, can be pretty often. Yeah. And you mentioned this offensive line and that's still always going to be really important. Um, no matter what this next part I'm going to ask about it. And it's even important for them, but this running back room, they're a veteran running back room with, with studs really potentially three yeah. studs in there. Um, that's obviously going to to take some of that heat off of uh Joe Milton assuming the offensive line kind of hold up just their end of the bargain not be exceptional do you I know that there's maybe been some guys taking um some time back do you still feel like that running back room is as good as again going back into that word expectations that is being expected of them uh, I really do I mean I've been super high on it the whole offseason and I can't remember if we were doing this recording or just talking off the record and Eric Kane said something to me like, is the this Tennessee wide receiver room the best uh, on the team? And I, I think there's an argument for it. But I was like, I, I think the running back still. And mm-hmm. to have three really proven guys uh, and, you know, the guy that's the least proven, Dylan Sampson, could potentially be the most explosive guy in that room. And, and mm-hmm. on top of that, to have two freshmen that do not look like freshmen. And obviously, Sean <laughs> Bishop would have been nice, too. He'll be out for a couple months. So Jalen Wright's a guy I've been super, super high on for a long time. It's crazy to see body and his game developed from when he came in he was basically like small school north carolina speed guy just kill dudes with speed not big at all and he is extremely well built and you think you saw it last year uh by the end of the year you felt like he was a really good runner between the tackles i think he's going to be even better this year and honestly if you know the one thing is the fumble issues which cost mm-hmm. him some last year especially early in the season when he missed camp um but if that's not an issue, I have a hard time thinking he's not going to be Tennessee's uh, leading rusher, at least leading carries guy, and Tennessee's not going to have a really good run game. Is there another position group besides the O-line that, that kind of maybe not worries you, but it is kind of a question mark there? I think it's just the secondary. I mean, it's yeah. it's such a 
non-story story because there's nothing to talk about. It's mostly the same guys. I mean, Gabe Julie Lolly will probably play a little bit. We'll see how the veterans do and some of those freshmen may get a chance. But it's just a lot of guys that have played a lot of football, not at a very high level. I mean, they haven't been horrible, but there really haven't been any real difference makers in that room. So, you you know, Tennessee's kind of betting on. I think there's a chance that guys like Danico Slaughter, maybe Kamal Haddon, take a step forward. Um, but, you know, it, it just kind of feels like it's big time wait and see with a group that's been a lot. I guess the, the analogy I've been using is between Tennessee's number one corner and number six corner last last year was very little gap. It didn't matter if a Tennessee sure. corner got hurt. Can some somebody there separate themselves is really what Tennessee needs to find. Yeah. Yeah, just Same. some talent in that room probably probably helps, I guess. It doesn't hurt. Um, just some added talent um, and some freshmen maybe to push those veterans to – is Warren Burrell going to be a factor? That That's a wild card for me. I just can't wrap my head around like – it seems like it's going to be Kamal Haddon and, and Danico Slaughter, maybe Brandon Turnage or Gabe Judy Lally or, or – but Warren Burrell is kind of that outsider looking in, but he probably has the, played the most football in that room. I have a hard time thinking he's going to be one of the main guys, especially at corner. I mean, he's gotten a lot of rep work at start um, during camp, which, you know, granted, Tamara McDonald's going to start there. But, you know, to have another option there, he'd probably be positioning himself to be, you know, to back up in a corner. Not that he would because he's it's kind of like we just said, a third string. There's not a huge gap. But those four guys you named, I would think, would all be ahead of him at corner. So that kind of seems as fast as path to the field. And I think he could play some. But. Uh, I have a hard time thinking it's going to be back like what 2020, uh, what 2021 <laughs> when he was you know playing a ton of snaps. Yeah, yeah, and this uh, another group that maybe maybe has gotten a lot better, which is kind of shocking because you lose a, a pretty big playmaker, Salvan a Salvan playmaker, and Jeremy Banks, but it looks like this linebacking group might be uh, might be a little underrated right now, and maybe they is it up a strength? Yeah, we maybe we... strength. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna yeah. say. Maybe they're not underrated now. There's been a lot of talk around them at this point. There has been, and I've been again, kind of like the running back position early in the offseason. I was like, there's a lot of potential there, and I think the linebacker position kind of epitomizes a lot of the questions about the defense as a whole. Is it's like Tennessee has talented young guys, underclassmen. Mm-hmm. Are those guys ready to play at a high SEC level? And Elijah Herring and Arian Carter are two dudes I'm super high on. I like the other freshmen too, T. Lander and Smith. I doubt either will have a huge role in defense this year, but they, I think they're good-looking players too. Uh, but to have those two guys behind two veterans, and obviously I thought Aaron Beasley was maybe Tennessee's most underrated player last year, obviously mm-hmm. into the year with a great performance in the Orange Bowl. Uh, it's hard not to feel really good about that room, and then Arian Carter is just like the guy that he just wows you on the practice field. And, you know, we he wows you with his physical presence and his athleticism, but, you know, we're watching drills, so it's hard to right. figure out and make a bunch of – conclusions but you hear guys like mccallan castles talk to the media like hey what defenders are standing out first guy out of his mouth aaron carter and a lot of the coaches of them too so uh he's a freak i think he's going to be a stud in time and you know i honestly wouldn't be surprised uh, if he's starting by the end of the season i think he'll probably be playing in too deep to start the season yeah we we've had a question on, on why we didn't see more of aaron beasley and we yeah. saw a lot of them but we i feel like at times, it was Juwan Mitchell and Jeremy Banks, and I just feel like with what you saw at the end of the year with Jeremy Banks, and even the the first part of the year, you know, he had a big game, I think, in at Pittsburgh. So, I mean, why didn't we see more of of Aaron Beasley throughout the the whole season? I was surprised by that, and you know, I don't know if it's something structurally like they talked to 
I know this was a theory out there uh, after the South Carolina game about, you know, Banks and the way he called the defense and, and Beasley, that was a, you know, a step down. But so I don't know, maybe that was something, but it, it was something that surprised me too. And, you know, he still played, I think, definitely Tennessee's second most reps at linebacker, but it was the gap between Mitchell was much smaller than the gap between him and Banks at the top, sure. uh, which, you know, I wouldn't have thought should have been the case from watching those guys play. Yeah. Yeah. It, what, what, what do you have? an opinion um, on Banks right now, um, Tim Banks, like as a defense coordinator, I think mine is still kind of out there. I think maybe this year I can form a stronger opinion because it seems yeah. that talent is going to be doable in SEC play. Cause there's some games I'm very, very impressed with his play calling some um, hands are in the air. What are we doing? Kind of feel, do you have that opinion of him yet? Uh, I would kind of agree with that, that I feel like the jury is still out largely just because mm-hmm. they haven't had the pieces. I think, he's done a good job through two years and I think overall has been solid I think most issues defensively have been a lot more personnel based and right like last year I think it's because the secondary was so bad and there were some games where the defense was just so bad but like the two big steps maybe two of the biggest steps Tennessee as a full team took from 21 22 was their third down defense was light years better and their run defense went from pretty mediocre to one of the best in the country so mm-hmm. uh, I give them a lot of credit for that the flip side of that is you lose another game where you're de- you shouldn't lose. Your defense doesn't get a single stop. Like that's the type of thing that gets you fired in the SEC. So right. uh, I'm kind of rattling the fence there. I think he's been good, but uh, certainly I don't think the defense has been so good that you know it's he can't you know uh, another breakdown like that you know would on the hot seat. I guess. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, is who were who were some players um, maybe that Tennessee. Ne- fans know but haven't really been talking about you know who, who have you seen in fall camp that that can maybe be some underrated players that take that next step i think andre turrentine is one that's really interesting we talk about the secondary and you know a lot of the same guys he feels like the guy that we haven't seen a lot of probably most position to play uh, especially you know wesley walker's been a little banged up if jalen mccullough struggles early in the season like he did for a lot of last season i just think he's the third guy at safety he's gonna get some opportunities to play and especially the first two games like NFL preseason would be an overdramatic way of saying it, but that's kind of how I think it's going to feel for Tennessee. And I think a lot of the competitions we've had in fall camp are just going to continue through the first two games. And Josh Heupel and his staff are kind of like, all right, we need answers by Florida. We don't have to have the answers by Virginia. Uh, so I think Turnitine's going to get opportunities early on the offensive side. I mean, I think it's probably hard because the most of the candidates are pretty obvious. Uh, I mean, I think Ollie Lane, uh, the offensive line is not going to be a sexy pick, but he's very sneakily become a really important player for Tennessee in fall camp with Cooper Mays going down. He was already a favorite to win the left guard job probably going into fall camp, but it wasn't a f- for sure thing. And now it's like, all right, he's definitely starting at left guard if Mays is healthy. And he, now he's going to have to play center and learn the tempo and everything that comes with that in, in Tennessee's offense. And then a uh, receiver, I feel like Ramel Keaton's probably the forgotten man. Um, but again, I don't think, you know, too many people don't expect or too many fans aren't thinking about Ramel Keaton either, which is, I mean, to be fair, I could probably put in that category, but as we've done this 2022 rewatch it, I feel very dumb. I mean, that dude was important in so many crucial moments, uh, several big games. It's crazy, but I, I mean, I think you're right. I think he is the forgotten guy and could be another huge, huge year for him in orange. Just nothing that he really does is flashy. Like he doesn't have great speed. No. He doesn't have great size, but he just he just catches the football. And that's I mean, I guess in this offense, that's really all you have to do. 
Yeah, he's just solid everywhere. And, and mm. you know, I think he's his hands have gotten a lot better. I, I remember yeah. I had a running joke with somebody when the JG years is like those two must like hate each other. They he'll be over <laughs> on the pass and they they could not complete the pass. Um so it's kind of been cool to see him put it all together and yeah, he's just a really steady guy and he's not really gonna be flashy or do anything that really wows you. Well, I say that that catch of Florida was pretty was pretty wowing. Yeah, yeah. pretty sick. No, for sure. um, I, I like how you went with the local guy, Ollie Lane. That's uh, speaking to the audience. That's great. It's great stuff. <laughs> you got to Yeah, you got to know your audience. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, we also going back to the defensive side of the ball real quick. We've used the term, or we not the term. We've been saying this defense just has to get one percent better for this team. One percent better. Landon, I think, yeah. got to like five percent one day. Said this defense <laughs> will be five percent better. Do you give me your percentage? Just hard, you know, hard take right now. Yeah. Or, or I mean, if I'll it gets say, worse, we can go negative percentage. No, I don't think it's going to get worse. <laughs> I don't think it's going to get worse. I'm trying to think of what uh, radical improvement would be percentage-wise <laughs> to compare it to. I, I'll say like 3 4%. Like, okay. Again, the big question to me is how many of these young guys can step up mm-hmm. who I think are going to be really good in a few years. How many of those guys can be real solid for Tennessee this year? And with that expectation, it's kind of like, all right, they'll probably will be better. But, you know, it would probably be a little bit of a surprise if they're dramatically better. So right. uh, it, I've kind of said all offseason, it feels like they're one year away from really being, uh, you know, not best defense in the SEC, but a top third of the SEC defense from a talent standpoint. Um, the statistics may never fall that just because of the scru- challenges that it, it takes being a defense with an offense as good as Tennessee's and style of play they have. Yeah, and is it how how difficult is it going to be replacing Byron Young and, and just that that rush off the edge, especially in the pass game that's already that's already you know that it struggled last year, even with a, a great pass rusher. Um, what what is that replacement going to be like? Trying to find a guy to fill that void. I've honestly thought it's not going to be as massive as a loss as maybe mm-hmm. the statistics would say or people would say. And you know, Byron Young was a good player. I would you know, say that last year he dominated the Kentucky game. He dominated the LSU game. Games really were his athleticism. I think it was the backup left tackle for LSU. And obviously Kentucky's offensive line was atrocious last season. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't that he was a non-factor besides that, but he just wasn't, you know, fantastic. Daryl Taylor is the guy I, I think I've written talking about Byron Young. I've called him Daryl Taylor like three times uh, so far this summer. It's my yeah. common mistake. But to me, Daryl Taylor was a much more productive uh, pass rusher than Byron Young was, and I think yeah, Roman I Harrison. Roman Harrison is solid. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to sniff seven, eight sacks, but I think he's a guy that could, with steady improvement, be a five sack guy. And then that's, you know, I talked about the linebackers having some young guys. That's probably when you consider the freshmen too, and Chandavian Bradley and Caleb Herring. Man, there's a ton of young talent in that spot, and, and Josh Joseph probably seems to the guy that's. You know, if you could ask Tennessee who's your leading sack guy at the end of the year, I think the answer you'd want to say would be Josh Joseph because he's the type of guy that has the talent to go out there and get, you know, close to double-digit sacks, and I'm not sure anybody else does. So kind of a long-winded answer, but I kind of think Tennessee is going to end up being fine there. Um, You know, even with Byron Young, Tennessee could very rarely get home before last year. So I think that it might be moderate improvement. It might not be huge, but I I don't think you're really going to see a big step back from the pass rush either. Yeah, it seemed like they were just like a few like tenths of a second away from getting to the quarterback just a ton more times. I mean, we we watched the Georgia game today, and, I mean, Juwan Mitchell, I mean, just barely misses Stetson yeah. and he runs in on third and ten for a touchdown. Um, so, yeah, just like that, I, I feel like this younger talent, 
that they're, they're bringing in. At some point, I feel like this staff has to be able to rely on some of these guys, whereas I feel like the last couple of years they've always gone with the veterans. But these are guys that they've recruited. They're de- they're developing. You know, at some point, do they get to the point where you're just like we're going to be more athletic <laughs> in some positions? I think so. And again, I think defensive line and Safety. linebacker are the answers that that's most likely because it's just yeah. the William Martinez thing. Like he's leaned yeah. on veterans basically his whole career. And I mean, it's crazy. You go look through the Tennessee roster, go look at the secondary. It's like everybody's a senior. Mm-hmm. Are you a super? There might be a super senior, a redshirt senior, or a straight up senior. <laughs> yeah. They're all seniors. Yeah. It's unbelievable how many veterans they have. And uh, there's just a lot of options. And yeah, safety is. Safety is the one that it, it Mar- really feels yeah. like they need they need they need to make that jump at or that change at. Willie Martinez started COVID so he could start seniors one more year. That's <laughs> that's what happened. That's what we're like rolling that, with. Yeah. The uh yeah, I think that's pretty good. What what about special teams? How's it looking? I know it, it, you know, Paxton Brooks, I know, especially in the in the punt game and even in kickoff game was just kind of weird last year. And I know they Seems like uh, Josh Heupel likes to do some weird stuff with kickoffs. He doesn't want to just see it go yeah. to the end zone for whatever reason, but still a very a veteran guy, dude, been dude who's been around. And then Chase McGrath, um, not perfect, but he also had the perfect kick. What's uh, special teams like having the complete, you know, one hundred and eighty flip? They're having to figure it out now. That's a hard one because we don't. I haven't watched a single kick or punt no. all, all fall camp all mm-hmm. since, since last since the Orange Bowl. Man, uh, if but, I was a coach, yeah. that's all I'd show you all. Like, get, hey, come out for our special teams uh, today. It'll, it'll look good. And, I, and personally, I love it. Being able to watch, tr- just have something you can track. Like, all right, right. kicks were good from this yardage. And yeah. here's who was returning punts today. It was fielding punts. Which obviously don't have that question this offseason. And, and I guess I'll start right. there. I mean, I think D. Williams is, he's not going to factor at corner, which probably makes him, he's probably the guy I should have said forgotten man because he was so good returning punts last year. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, it is for – you know, last year it was like, oh, it didn't matter if the punt return wasn't good. Tennessee's offense was unreal. Right. And they could go 10 plays, 75 yards down the field, or, you know, one play, 75 yards down the field. It seemed like at any moment. Uh, but this year, when there's more questions, and not that I think, think Tennessee's offense will be good again, but probably not at the level they were last year, I think that could be a big deal uh, for field position. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of positive buzz uh, about Jackson Ross and. Uh, you know, the, thing, the fact that they got him in for like last season, um, I think maybe even in the middle of the year, right before it started, obviously he was never going to play, but he's kind of been through it and, and seen it, I think will be helpful. And then uh, Campbell from Indiana, I mean, he's has a big leg. He's made a yeah. lot of long kicks in his career. So we'll see what uh, what it's like with the consistency. But I mean, again, that's a guy I think you've got to feel pretty solid about uh, just from looking at his track record, uh, kicking in, you know, semi big time college football. I think he had a game winner in Indiana. A pretty long one. I think so last too. year. Yeah. So yeah, I like I that. I like that news. yardage of it. Yeah, I mean that's Chase. Hey, <laughs> yeah, Chase McGrath had race. a game winner at USC. So yeah. you know, yeah. Good. What's the What's the Australian kid? Have you gotten to see him kick any? Is he as advertised? No, I mean I haven't gotten Zero? to see him at all. But I mean, that's crazy. Mike Mike Eckler was talking about him, and I think Mike Eckler was almost playing with us the type of things he was saying <laughs> to kind of build him up and talking about what a good athlete he is and good quarterback. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean he's. <laughs> Taking a turn, but he apparently can kick with both both legs. I don't think we're going to see that in games, but Interesting. Uh, he seems like a pretty pretty crazy athlete. That again, probably take a little bit of what Mike Eckler says with a grain of salt, but uh, right. he seems like an interesting personality on the team for sure. I would like to see the advantage, like the chart of like what advantage would it be to kick with both legs? <laughs> How could you get one up on the other team? 
I'm thinking of uh, the only way that that works is maybe a uh, onside kick. Maybe you just run straight up to it. Yeah. Don't know which way it's going. <laughs> I, I'm still not convinced that would be as beneficial. <laughs> it probably wouldn't, especially now where you can like you have to have the same amount of people on each side. So yeah, that's the uh, the, the story I have with that. And I've every time that's come up with Jackson Ross, I think about my brother played football at Furman. They had a game in 2017, Western Carolina, pouring rain. And the punter was right-footed, dropped a punt, like eluded a guy, and then kicked it 30 yards with his, le- with his left foot. Uh, oh, it was one of the more impressive impressive plays I saw in my, my brother's uh, college career. Kickers are athletes, too. Shout out to the kick. Yeah, shout out to the Furman kicker in 2017. I'm sorry I don't know your name. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get our research team on that and, and yeah. see what we can we'll, we'll we'll do a where is he at now and see if he get uses left foot since then yeah yeah maybe i mean that the fact that he's an athlete i know there's been a ton of australian kickers and punters lately um but the one that comes to mind and i wish i could remember his name the kid from lsu that had that massive fake yeah. punt that's I, that's, that's exactly kind of that's all i thought it. i want to see now from our australian yeah. you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah. Okay. Instagram Reels has done a great job of assaulting me with that that fifty yard <laughs> touchdown run he had against Florida that year. I mean, I with Vern on the call, the call is electric. I've watched that play probably no less than eight times on Instagram this offseason. The greatest non touchdown maybe of all time, especially for a punter oh, of I all know. time. <laughs> oh, definitely. It's criminal. Criminal officiating. What's um so we've heard a lot about Jalen Wright and how I guess you know, Josh Heupel and Jerry Mack was talking about, you know, how much of a pro he's become. Um, you know, what what's what have you seen that's just different in his demeanor? Have you seen anything that just kind of sticks out to you? Not really. Uh, I don't know. He did talk earlier this week, actually. And, you know, he kind of seemed like the same guy talking to the media. Uh, I think, you know, the thing that stands out for me, and obviously I don't want to this could kind of sound pointed, but he's just out on the practice field every day. I mean, last camp, and it's not to yeah. say that his injury wasn't serious or that Tennessee's coaches weren't guiding him that way, uh, but, you know, he wasn't out there a ton. And he's and when he was, he wasn't full contact. And he's had he's been out there every day, uh, full go. And, you know, I think kind of near leading the lines, uh, you know, the thing they talked about is the pass blocking and the pass catching. And I could say from drills, he's much better catching the football than he was a year ago. And pass blocking, I do think it's an important thing, and it's – Kind of goes into the greater conversation with Tennessee's running backs, and I hopefully won't go on too big of a tangent here. But, you know, Jabari Small has been the starter. I think he's the least talented of the three guys. Doesn't mean he shouldn't have a role. Doesn't mean he shouldn't get carries. He's still a good, he's still a good player. You know, and I think the easy thing to be say is like, all right, well, you know, just use him in short yard situations and goal line situations. Well, Tennessee doesn't sub like that offensively. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same thing. They're not going to sub somebody in on third down to pass block if Jalen Wright can't pass block. So that's going to be something that factors in to the rotation and probably especially this year when Tennessee has some questions at offensive tackle. Uh, so I think that's something that is going to be probably a very minuscule but interesting storyline to follow with the running backs uh, when, once they get into the season. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. A, yeah, and it's a good point about Jabari Small. He was your quote-unquote go-to guy. He always got the carries down two-yard line when they was real yeah. tight, but they, it's not like they were subbing him in. They weren't rotating him in. It's just kind of by chance that he was in the game. He was getting the – that's an interesting yeah. point because I've thought about that. I've had that same thought. Yeah, fantasy, fantasy uh, player right there. I, I love that. That's a good pickup. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's got to be the smallest, incredible fantasy player in that way ever. I mean, usually <laughs> yeah. you're thinking like Jerome Bettis, Lindell White, like the massive guys yes. put in the goal line. And now yeah. the, the small running back that's just – 
low center of gravity and super strong. Who at uh who at tight end do you think? I mean, obviously it's Jacob Warren that kind of takes over that Princeton fan role, but it's also kind of got to be by committee. I feel like who you know, McCown Castles, Ethan Davis, those guys are. Do you think they're more than capable of, um, you know, making an impact this season? I think so. To me, the big question is, yeah, I mean, the big question is the blocking, um, and especially with Ethan Davis, like. These tied in really good tied in recruits. I mean, they don't they don't ever block. They play receiver in high school, so it's a big adjustment. And he, I think, right now is the most pass catching wise, the most gifted tied in Tennessee has. You know, from the moment he stepped on campus, he's one of the guys that have been most impressed with watching him mm-hmm. in spring practice and into the fall. It does feel like he's you know a little bit behind Cast- McCastles uh, or McCollin Castles. Love to call him McCastles. Uh, <laughs> it feels like he's a little behind him from just what we've seen and what we've heard uh, out of the scrimmages and stuff. But I think all three of those guys are going to play. And, and obviously uh, that was, you know, a per- potentially, you know, dis- distressing position Tennessee could have been in if Jacob Warren just moved on. I mean, their depth there has been – they've had two guys, and fortunately those two guys have stayed healthy, but they've had no one really behind them. So uh, mm-hmm. I-, I think there's certainly just the steadiness of Jacob Warren is – Really important. That's why I'll be the starter as well, play the most snaps. But I think it'll be interesting to see really what both those the newcomers uh, can do catching the football, but especially Ethan Davis. What a what what away game are you looking forward to this year? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, it's Florida or Alabama. Those are by far the two best away games. I'm not even going to Missouri. I've done a good job of going to bat. I'm going to basketball in Wisconsin on Friday night. Would much rather. Do that in the frozen. You know, I'm joking about how cold Missouri is. I'm going to Wisconsin, and maybe that's you know, bad <laughs> logic. You could yeah. argue. I will. I'm not sure I could argue back with you, but uh, <laughs> and in Kentucky will probably be the same thing. And in, in whatever early November, just brutally cold. So mm. Florida, Florida or Alabama. Alabama, I think, will be the best environment. But you know, certainly if Tennessee can can get it done in Florida for what first time in 20 years, that would be a that'd be a pretty cool one to be at. The only other game I've been to uh, there was 21. I covered at the beacon and. Or not 21, 19. 21 mm. would have been better. It wasn't a good yeah. game, but 19 was just <laughs> – Yeah, I mean, that, was, that was Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. 31-3 or something something like that. Just yeah. not, not we were, any good plays for Tennessee we, in that game. We were watching it. It was the fourth quarter. I think we got an interception, and uh, one of our buddies was like, we still got a chance. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, Trayvon Flowers, I think, is the one who yeah. had it in the, in, yep. in the end zone. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's just belief. That's all it is. But I, I do think you made the right decision. I think anyone would rather be in Madison, Wisconsin, even no matter the weather, than Columbia, Missouri. So regardless of weather, I think you made the right decision. You're not getting any of that NIL money that they got in Missouri now. No, well, <laughs> I actually, I actually was in Missouri. We went to the Ozark Mountains, my family, to vacation this summer. I should have looked Ooh. into it while I was there. Should that, have, you know, yeah. that could have, you know. And then I own money's good, man. Yeah, they got that Ozark money. Yeah, I was gonna, Ozark money. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to use the logic of the the dome versus the uh, versus you know the outdoor field they got. I won't even call it a stadium that they're they're working with, but they have rocks. But you're the, I mean, you're you're the man in charge. You're in the you're in the press box. So you don't have to worry about that. So I don't know. I I don't know if weather should have factored into your decision, but I still think you made the right decision. I was so I went there also in nineteen, and I was so jarred by the cold. And the press box might even be, you know, less nice than Vanderbilt. I mean, usually you're talking about these things, what's the worst in the league? It's just like you're thinking about it. It's like, well, besides Vanderbilt, Missouri press box might be even worse. Pretty tough. All right. Yeah, Vanderbilt might put you in a 
chairlift or something. <laughs> issues. I mean, good lord. That's uh, that's a, about- I'm I'm glad you mentioned press box. Uh, we've seen some complaints from some Capital J journalists. Uh, I think Diet Coke's a real popular one. Got to be in press box. What's your go like? Press box doesn't have it there on your shit list immediately. Like, which one is it for you? I see. I'm. I can go Coke or Dr Pepper. I mean, Dr okay. Pepper is my go-to. I don't think anyone's on a shit list for not having it. Uh, but you know, just one of those two. Ideally, Vanderbilt. Actually, I will complain. They didn't have any soft drinks. They did have a barista, which was really nice for coffee people. I'm not mm-hmm. a coffee person, so you know that's just tough. That's uh, very Vanderbilt really of them. I actually love <laughs> oh, that you told me that. <laughs> The only time I really got mad, I had a buddy who was he worked in like stadium operations at Nissan Stadium. Um, and so for the bowl game there in 2021, uh, they the Coke machine ran out in there. And I've, you know, to this day, probably bring it up once a month, blame it on him. Couldn't, I mean, what <laughs> poor go. management he had, stadium operations, couldn't get the Coke machine working in the yeah. press box. Oh, are, no, you an, no. are you an ice cream guy? Or are you rating that, uh, that cabinet at Neyland? Really not, not really. No. Probably a couple times a year I'll get one at halftime, but I'm not a not an every game tried or true. Okay, gotcha. I go with the pop, the popcorn and the Dr Pepper is typically my go to at halftime. I got some. Uh, we're doing a new thing where we have some questions that get submitted to to ask you. So uh, if you don't mind, I have a, a few. Um, this is anonymously. Don't know who it was, um, but they're like, "Why did your first trip to Omaha in 2021 change your life forever?" <laughs> I wonder who that could be. Uh, it's. I feel like the Stephen A. Smith video where he's yelling about that Shaq. That's been the key. <laughs> that's, that's been the key. Um, you know, maybe a little bit too much to drink the night Tennessee lost to Virginia uh, as the Hawks won a big game seven against the Sixers. But we're not. I, you know, pleading my Fifth Amendment rights on this one. Not, not going too far into detail. I like that. Um, we also have one more from a different person. He said. Um, how thankful is he to have me and Mike Wilson as mentors? This is anonymous. It's a good question. It's a good question. Man, I it's bad that Ben submitted this because I I want to rip Mike, but it feels maybe not nice to rip Mike, but I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> he was on the he was on the trip with the basketball team to Italy, which I mean, talk about just great work by him getting on that trip. And then yeah. he since he's yeah, how do you do that? Said, what, what kind of strings do you have to pull? Uh, yeah, Knox New Sentinel, baby. They they were coming big time for him. Uh, and then he's been sick since. So I haven't seen him at any football stuff, and it's been just a joy in my life not having to deal with him uh, for uh, for a couple of weeks before the, the onslaught begins. Because that's been Ben, Mike, and I are uh, – I mean, there's a couple more too, West Rucker, but, uh, you know, a handful to cover all three sports. So mm-hmm. there's really no escaping them for nine months. Uh, yeah. So, But they're, they're both good guys. I, I yeah. will rip off. On them too much. <laughs> the uh, so do you all have a sign? Is it every every game in the season in Neyland? Is it the same assigned seat, or they mix it up on you? Um, it's pretty similar. It'll change a little bit, like if national media members are there, so you have or how much away media uh, they bring. But typically for RTI, we have the same two seats uh, at the same spot. So if you ever see like Ben or Mike next to you, do you like try to get there early and move them? Uh, that happens to baseball a lot. Um, and then the, the tiny Lindsey Nelson Stadium press box, like getting into the press seats, not great. So there's Ben has a he holds uh, court at the, the best spot at the very end, closest to the stairwell. Get out easy. But yeah, baseball, you can people get there, switch around the seats a little bit because uh, uh, it's a. Uh, it can make a difference at Lindsey Nelson. You should, you should try to get there early and put like Mike in the very back or something. 
Maybe like put him between. Maybe like maybe for the Vanderbilt game, put him between. I won't name Vanderbilt names, but maybe like try to put him between. You know who? Like just see if what you can do there. That would be a. I won't call it a prank. That might be a little far for a prank, oh, but it'd be man. good. Now that yeah, now that is a now that's a good one. <laughs> the Deion Sanders clip that is. Good one. <laughs> what about if you uh, if you sat next to me down there? For one game and just been like, hey, guys, look down here and look where I'm covering the game from. What do you think they'd say it, about that? You know, man, I, I moved down to some good seats before. I don't think I've ever moved. I mean, you've got you maybe, what, five people in that stadium got have better seats than you do? Yeah, I probably, mean, you yeah, got you got not... it figured out. So, uh, you know, maybe that, that'll be the difference. I've moved down to some pretty good seats before uh, during midweek games when it's uh, empty, but uh, not, not that big time. All right. Well, next season, one game you're coming down there. Okay, let's make it yeah, happen. You gotta give me, yeah. gotta give me some nachos. I mean, that's. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't let you sit down there if you weren't eating nachos. You gotta eat those. <laughs> uh, last question for me: How's the how's the golf game looking? Oh, the golf game has been a roller coaster. I mean, I feel like I typically, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a slow climb in the summer, and I hit you know some week and a half, maybe ten days in July when I play great, and I just like play as much golf as I can before I lose it, and then a slow decline, but. No, I've been a roller coaster this summer. I played uh I played twice this past week. I played really good at Avalon uh earlier in the week and then I was was horrible at Island Point. It looked like I, I hadn't played golf before. So uh, you know, I like to get out there and hack it around, but it's it's not in the best shape. You better uh, so, than Ben? Oh yeah, I'm definitely better than okay. Ben. Okay. I actually <laughs> I actually had my best round this summer with Ben a couple weeks ago at good old Knoxville uh-huh. Municipal. So uh, okay. maybe I'll maybe like- he brought the good mojo. I like that Landon's doing this, kind of pitting you all against each other because follow up to my last question, my last, last question. Um, and it looks like we're playing at Island Point now. Uh, two little 2v2 versus Rishi and Ben coming up. Okay, yeah, we got to get that going. I will say me and Ben's games like are pretty complimentary. You know, neither okay. of us are great, but he's a good putter, which I can struggle with. And he's, uh, you know, he's got the distance off the tee that I don't have. You know, I'm not great with the driver. I'm pretty good knocking it out there with the three wood, but uh, it can make okay. us a little more dangerous having having his length involved. Yeah, well, Caleb's definitely carrying us because um, <laughs> Landon, you're not. You're you're good. Uh, no. I mean, I started I, like two months ago. Yeah, he's fine. We're okay, good. well, so, you know, it goes that way. But if some weird things happen to, to you that get blamed on Ben or Ben that get blamed on you this season, it's not me preparing for mental games. For um, I know some people inside the program. I don't know if they work in the the media box, but I'll see what I can get done this season to to get get mental games going early. Well, you you need to schedule it for like a late baseball season because then we've been spending like four <laughs> to five days a week together for four to five hours for like three months. Wow. That's when the pranks are going and things are are uh, starting to deteriorate a little bit. <laughs> I like that. You, that's perfect. You just set yourself up. You gave yeah. us the perfect opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Maybe wasn't my best move there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan, we appreciate you. You got to get off here. You got a fan. You got a Madden draft. Is that right? Madden Ben Ben's in the league. It's all Ben's friends. Ben's the only person I know. So okay, cool. And ironically, I'm, I got I got the Pittsburgh Steelers as my team. So oh, nice. That's, uh, well, you should make them terrible team. just to, to get on <laughs> despite Ben's this. nerves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got to uh, draft Kenny Pickett and then purposely be bad with Kenny Pickett. That's been yeah, a great, just a great point about, of conversation. Like, he's never going to be I, good because he's bad in Madden. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's terrible. All these interceptions, no touchdowns. I mean, exactly. terrible in Madden. Yeah. All right, Ryan, we appreciate you, man. Good luck. And um, hopefully we see you some this season. And, I mean, 
you're going to do it all, so we'll see you, I guess, every season. But we'll have you back on soon to maybe talk about the end of the season. Yeah, sounds great. Appreciate you guys having me on. Right. Yeah. See Thanks, you, brother. Man. See you, boys. That was Ryan Shumpert with uh, Rocky Top Insider. Really appreciate Ryan coming on. Um, awesome stuff. Does a great job. Go check him out. Um, covers football, basketball, and baseball. So does a really good job of doing all three. Um, and probably doing everything. He probably does softball, swimming, diving, golf, everything else. So go check him out. Appreciate him hopping on and, and giving, us, giving us some insight on fall camp and uh, this upcoming football season. Wow, man, and you just totally told on yourself. You didn't read Ryan's four-page expose on the Tennessee underwater basketball weaving team? <laughs> yeah. I mean, come I've on. yet to get to that. That was next on my list. Come on, man. It's a great read. Everybody should go check it out. Um, Joe's calling me right now. What's going on? I don't know. It's going back. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I just got forwarded an automatic voicemail. What is going on? It's freaking me out, man. Uh, we'll see if he calls back. Um, but, yeah, we appreciate Ron hopping on. We did have some questions in the chat. I, I lost them because when you close out, one question was about there's apparently rumors going around that Nico's going to be playing more this year. Rumors confirmed. <laughs> those rumors are confirmed as rumors. I can confirm those. We talked about it. It's not, in my opinion, and I'm not – saying Nico is not going to be good at some point. And I'm not saying Nico's not good right now, like a good enough start in the SEC. I'm not saying that either. But for where Tennessee's at with their quarterback situation, either way, if Nico's playing, I think Tennessee's in a bad position in the sense of it means Joe Milton's either not playing well and they have to go to a freshman, true freshman, or two, Joe Milton's gotten hurt, and that's not good either. So for the sake of Tennessee fans, you should only want to see him in garbage time. And based on the current spread, probably going to be garbage time you might get to see him in nashville yeah no i think i think he understands that um which is good i mean i don't think he was coming here thinking he was going to play right off the rip mm. and uh, i think it's going to be good for his development and i mean if you look at the last i know the transfer portal is a big thing right now but if you look at the last couple draft picks for tennessee like they just like find their own in one season or a couple seasons, yeah. and then, you know, find their, self, find their names getting called on, you know, in a round in the draft. You know, Bayless Jones didn't have a huge impact until he got to Tennessee. Uh, Jalen Hyatt was kind of forgotten about until he bought in, and, you know, then he wins the Blitnikoff. Cedric Tillman had eight catches before he has over 1,000 yards of the first year under Josh Heupel. Um, and turns into a third-round pick. So, Ramel Keaton, kind of the same way. Probably a guy that we just thought would probably never see the field, enter the transfer portal, but has really found, you know, a home at wide receiver. Aaron Beasley is another guy who didn't even really have a position until Josh Heupel and them got here and, you know, found a home at linebacker, and now he's probably one of the better um, defensive players on this roster. So I, I think people are okay with waiting their turn or at least they seem to be. And I think the the kind of proof is in the pudding with this current staff. Yeah, and it worked out too that he's not coming behind he's not coming in behind a sophomore or a junior. Correct. He yeah. he does. You know, I might be more nervous if Joe Milton had a great year, or Joe Milton started the whole year about Nico transferring. But like you said, seems to understand his spot, and 
Joe doesn't have the option to stay another year, even if, you know, he pulls a paid right. Manning and I'm going to return for my senior yeah, season. What if he did? Like, he's like, I'm coming back. I'm like, Joe, you, like, you Joe. can't play. He's like, I don't care. Joe. I'm coming back. <laughs> Joe. He's getting, he's getting his PhD. We were talking about that today. Let's tangent for a minute. What in the world is Hendon Hooker? Like, what classes was he taking? He'd have to be working towards, like, a doctorate at this point, right? Like, what's what program is he in? He's got eight degrees. Like, Has he to. had eight different majors. And Most. I don't know if this, this is true. I saw some funny, like, rumors, conspiracies floating out there that Stetson Bennett may not have a single degree. Yeah, I saw that, too. That is uh, – I think – we should be able to take those titles away. I don't think he was a full-time <laughs> student. At some point, right? I mean, and the funny thing <laughs> is, is like, I how long is he at JUCO? Just one year? Yeah, I think so. Okay. It would have been awesome if he was at JUCO for two years and also didn't have an associate's degree. Like, it, like, he doesn't have a degree from any institution he attended for extended periods of time. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. He's degreeless, dude. He, hey, he didn't go to school. He didn't go to school. He didn't go to school to, to play class. Yeah, no, no. Um, I respect it, dude. That's, that's called that's called a hustle right there, because he oh, doesn't yeah. need a degree. Like I know, you know, talk about setting these guys up. Future. The dude is going to be, let's say, it, the NFL doesn't work out, and it's looking like it. I'll, I'll say this: 50-50, He could be a backup. He might have bought himself a backup for at least a few years. Um, I did. I did see today. He threw that terrible pass. Yeah, it was bad. Um, and somebody was like. Uh, Stetson Bennett's actually going to be a mailman by week six. <laughs> no, that man is going to be selling life insurance in Athens, Georgia, and he's probably not going to have to make a phone call. And he's going oh, to yeah. make a lot of money. So he doesn't yeah, it's basically like an NIL deal. Yeah, he just played the world's greatest hustle. That's all he did. Good for him. Yeah, no, for real. Happy for him. Um, stay away from Dallas, though, my friend. It's not your. It's not your friend. Uh, yeah, that's called a uh, right place, right time. Definitely. Wait, right place, right time? In Dallas? No, like, not in Dallas. Okay, I'm, okay, I'm yeah, saying yeah. like him just being a part of the Georgia program when they had all those four and five stars around him. Um, all he had to do was just not mess it up. And, and not that. graduate. <laughs> yeah, that <yeah, laughs> <I bet> too. <laughs> what, what, what should have been – like he should have graduated in what, like 2019? Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if like his Genius, degree dude. is just like, like his – you know how they list their major? I'm curious if he's ever been enrolled at this point. <laughs> yeah. His major is just like all the above studies. Yeah. Tennessee should make a football department where guys just major in football. His Peyton Manning's just, already teaching at the school. Just make Peyton the head of the department. Yeah, run a fake school. No, it's a real school. I just – I know, no. It's a real school. I know okay. Tar Heels deep buried inside of you, but we're not running fake stuff here. <laughs> Golly, dude. You're trying to get the NCAA bearing down on us. Hey, they're already there. Maybe maybe Peyton is the one just, like, shooing them off. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, I don't think anyone – I don't think we need anyone now. I think they're done. Dunzo. Calling it. Clip this. NCAA dead. Okay. I like that. Dead. It should be. Do we have any more questions? We have some comments about um, uh, Keenan Pilly being that dude. Said he does well. Uh, Zachary Bunch said he'll do well this year. I mean, I sure hope so. And this linebacking group as a whole looks a lot better. More uh, as a group, they look more improved. 
Speaking of old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> hopefully he's got a degree, which I like it. I mean, the transfer portal is essentially a draft now, mm-hmm. but instead of the worst teams going first, the best teams get to go first. So I don't know <laughs> if you know this, but what is the deal with, I know BYU, they have, do all their players have to do a mission of some sort? I don't think all of their players do. It's the Mormon play, the ones that are Mormon, that are okay. actually Mormon. Gotcha. Because you don't necessarily have to be Mormon to go there. Right. You do have to obviously somewhat abide by their rules because they have yeah. kicked dudes off for not doing it. Not. Yeah. How did Zach Wilson make it there? I don't understand. I just did a little soaking, dude. Never, never, never broke the rules. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't. So I don't I don't know what the percentage is um that do a mission before they play, but obviously they're they do have Mormon players who do mission missions before they play. Okay. Did Zach Wilson do one? He's not very old. No, I don't think that's what I was okay. asking. I, I didn't is know. Is he Mormon? Like He's from Utah, right? I don't I don't know. Okay. I don't know anything. If he did a mission, it was to He did have his, a girlfriend and get with his mom's friend. I don't know if that counts, but yeah, he missionary was involved for sure. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Don, do you have any more questions? Was there any more? Just that? no, no more questions. But if you want a tangent about uh, Mormons for a minute, I, I don't know if this is true. I was watching a video the other day. Um, this comes unchecked from TikTok that apparently there's a way like Mormons, you can be like retroactively saved, like after you die but only if they're in your family tree. So apparently the Mormon church has like one of the like largest libraries of family trees. It's so like, apparently I could go back and the, in this library and figure they're out in, my genealogy. Ancestry.com. But. but for everyone, but specifically for Mormons. <laughs> okay. And apparently they can like go back and you can just say like, Oh, they're my family member. They now have, like heard the teachings of Joseph Smith. Or is that his name? Um, he is saved. She is saved. I don't know the details of it, but I was reading or watching this video about it. And I don't know if it's true at all. It's fascinating, <laughs> but I don't know if it's true. Okay. I like the leaps. I don't that even any... know where to like lead. Like my mind's going in so many directions. Ask, ask even... a question, get the conversation going. I'll see if I can answer it. I like the leaps that any religion will go through to do stuff like that. I'm just thinking like, I mean, if you're going one path or the other, right? After death, essentially, Mm -hmm. are you just waiting in like no man's land until somebody saves you? Or like, when's that cut off? I guess that'd be a pretty good. I don't know. I I think Mormon's pretty similar to Christianity and like, or I mean, it is essentially like, it has its spinoff of it, I guess, if that's what we're calling it. It's a, it's its own, you know, they started a spinoff series. Um, so I don't know if they have hell. I would assume they have hell. It'd be pretty awesome to like go from hell to, to heaven. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. What is... I mean, I, I'm sure it's cool not to experience it, but like come back if you had to choose, it. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that works though. I'm, <laughs> I'm not aware of any of it. That's like uh, maybe having Tommy John and then coming back and throwing 105.5. For sure. Or like going from playing, playing for like, you're maybe on like the Cleveland Browns and then um, during free agency, Bill Belichick calls you and you get to go play with the Tom Brady Patriots. Okay. 
Yeah. Or um, you were in junior college and you end up being the starting quarterback at Georgia with all these four and five stars. and <laughs> With no degrees. With, and you don't even have to, like, do any school or anything. Yeah. that Yeah, I think that's probably the closest thing to it. Yep. Okay. Um, I was going to go somewhere else with that, too, but I, I'm, I probably should stop before I get myself in trouble. Um, yeah, that's that, that's my interesting thing I learned this week, though. Okay, so, cool. Well, you got any fun facts for me? Not like that, no. <laughs> <laughs> I did not uh, read I think, up on I think the story. I think the story came because I think Anne Frank has, is officially a Mormon because one of her ancestors has saved her or something, so... What if she didn't want to be? I mean, you're asking the valuable questions right now. Oh man, this this is creepy. I don't I don't like it. I'll learn um, more and we'll do a whole we'll do our expose on this uh, eventually. So yeah, let's do it. I won't learn any more about this, but yeah, we'll say I did. Um, it's not that interesting to me. Um, I was going to get, so is that oh, I was gonna, important? No. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I was. So I was talking about how like any kind of religion will like do like spin stuff their way. One of my favorite videos, I can't remember his name. It's not Joel Osteen. It's another one of those evangelical pastors. And he has like a, he has like three jets, which is insane. <laughs> yeah. He's like the, um, what are they, the, the righteous the, gemstones. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's essentially making like the righteous gemstones making fun of these guys and okay. they're, <laughs> they're interviewing him on like the tarmac. Like dude just got off his plane or is about to get on his plane. And they're like, why do you need three jets or something? You know, why do you need another $50 million jet? And he's like, well, I figured that if I have to fly commercial, like I wouldn't be able to reach as many people and save as many people with my $50 million jet. I can save a lot more people. And I'm like, that's a good spin zone if we're just being honest. Like, where do I tie to this guy? I want to buy him another jet. He Think about how many more people he could save, Landon. Right, yeah. Three I mean, jets? Not doing it. Four? Maybe. He thought about it before he bought them. Yeah. He, 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 knew, his law, he knew his law was going to be. Yeah. I also found, I'm just going to keep going with all these hilarious religious videos I found. <laughs> another pastor was preaching in his you church. You were deep, weren't you? Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> and uh, he was like, you know who owns the largest house in Louisiana? Me. <laughs> and I just go and everyone's cheering. And he's like, uh, it's a 40,000 square foot house. He's like, you know the movie Gone with the Wind? He's like, my front uh, living area, just like it. The chandelier from Gone with the Wind. And they're going nuts. And I'm like, I want to know. Like, I wish the video had kept going because I want to know where he was going with this. Going nuts is in like screaming like amen and stuff. Yeah, just cheering. They're like, yeah, oh, okay. 40,000 square feet. Yeah. I didn't know if this is like in the middle of the service. He's it was like, in the middle of the service. Oh. That's what okay. like, where is he? What direction is this leading to? Like, hum where are we going to get with this? <laughs> <laughs> it ends with Jesus coming in and flipping everything in his house over because that's kind of something in the Bible. But we won't get into that. But I, I would like, I, to be fair, I want to hear this guy out. I want to hear the end of his sermon. Maybe he ties it back in to saving a lot of people with this third jet. And I'm kind of on his side at that point. And the chandelier. And the, and the, the chandelier is saving him. The, the, the guys that hung the chandelier would not have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ had they not hung it in that guy's house. Yeah. Amen, brother. God. Some people will say I'm sacrilegious. I'm, I'm going to go with the guy ranting and raving about the 40,000 square foot house in a service that he's the pastor of the church is much more sacrilegious than anything I just said. Yeah. I'm doing better. Right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm good. All right. Yeah. 
All right. Well, most important, that was that was uh, that's where where did t- Caleb's TikTok take him this week? That's what that was. That was the service on the mound. <laughs> Name of my foot fantasy football team, Sermon at the Red Rocks. <laughs> Shout out Antonio Brown, CTE man, doing its best work. Give me fantasy football team names. Killing it. Um, my most important is uh, my first one is Bryson Stotts bat. For the Philadelphia Phillies, you see that? No. It was a number two pencil. Show you a picture real quick. I don't know if you you can't see that. Yeah, just show it to me. I had it. Put it close to the screen. Nice. That's cool. That is cool. That's kind of that looks like a doodle bob. (laughs) Yeah. Me (laughs) ornamentally. Nobody will get that unless you're our age. Well, there's a gap. There's a there's a generation that'll get that. And that's it. Um, my most important. Thomas Edwards release party. Be there. Be square. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. More important issues in the house. We bought a lot of tickets or claimed a lot of tickets. We'll be there. Freaking orange on baby. Are you gonna be there? I'll get there. Okay. So, so also think about this. It's starting eight p.m. our time. Okay, so so we got time. Are you taking the day off, half a day off? I'm off. But okay, I'm probably leaving like around noon. Okay, yeah, cool. Um, next most important is Teddy Bridgewater wearing the number fifty for the Lions. How did that happen? I don't know. I, I don't know why. I, I meant to look up why he did that, but I'm all for quarterbacks wearing like. Can he leave? That's what I'm confused about. I think in pre, obviously you probably can't in like a regular game, but he did in the preseason. Good for him. So I'm all for like quarterbacks wearing like offensive lineman numbers. Dude, yeah, get weird with it for sure. Yeah, I think if you're wearing I, 50, maybe that's that's like a red jersey. It's like, hey, probably don't tackle that guy. <laughs> if you see a 50 in the backfield, not free game. Yeah, maybe they'd have. I would like it if he could wear it, but every time. The uh, white hat has to turn and, and and say like the number f- number fifty is eligible on this play. Every time, <laughs> every time. <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, my last, next, and last one. It's it's Nashville SC. It's the city of Nashville. It's soccer, baby, dude. What an environment last night. I know Nashville came up short. It was an excellent penalty shootout. Uh, you never want to see it get to the goalkeepers necessarily, but Miami's absolutely buried it. Hate it for Nashville's. I don't know how to say his name. That guy. Um, He's played exceptional in the League Cup, and that sucks that it came down to that. But great environment. Geotis rocks. That park rocks. I I know how to spell it, Dylan. I don't know how to say it. (laughs) God, this guy. Just gets on just to roast you. Yeah. But anyways, great environment. Panic. There you go. That's all I needed. Panico, according to Dylan. Um, I would have said Panico. That looks more right. It's the hat maybe that throws me off. But yeah, great environment. Um, Geodis, one of the, I think the largest soccer specific stadium in the in the country right now. So a great environment to get that in. Landon's disappointed to find out he has a, a bet right now out on Messi to be the leading goal scorer at the end of the season. And he has played in 10 games and or sorry, played in seven games and scored 10 goals. None of those count towards the MLS because they're in the League Cup. But 
He has yeah, scored jingles Dylan, in seven games. So. Dylan told me to do this bet. It's a good, I still think it's a good bet, to be fair. Well, dude, every time he scored, I'm like, hell yeah. Hell yeah, we're getting closer, <laughs> baby. And it doesn't even count. You know what I mean? But think about it. Neither did any of Hawney's goals. So the leading goal scorer is not like building ground on him or anything. Yeah, I just – dude, soccer is so weird. I just don't understand, like, you just have a random tournament that doesn't count for anything in the middle of the season? Is this like their all-star break? It does count for something. It's it's a cup. It's so like in like in Europe, the EPL plays so if like think about if like Mexico and Canada had their own baseball league and you didn't call the end of the season the World Series, but you wanted all of the leagues to play against each other to like compete for like the best in the world kind of deal or the best in the continent kind of deal. They would play games throughout the middle of the season series against these teams to find out like who you essentially compete against those non-league teams or better comparisons, probably college baseball or college basketball. They play meaningless tournaments before they play the big tournament that against the rest of the country. Yeah, I just don't. I don't understand. I mean, the I don't understand why. Does like tournament mean anything? I I guess yeah, that's a fair point. Not, but a trophy, all all you get is a trophy. That's all it means. Yeah. Which I like the trophy. I'm not bashing it, but it's you get an auto bid. But most of those teams that win it are already in. But yeah, right. So think about it like that. So it's that. I mean, this whole time I was like, dude, that, that bet's going to hit. You got it. I still believe in you. Um, I have uh, I have one fail, and man, dude, screw the Mets, number one. <laughs> Mets just suck, um, which I do like Drew Gilbert, and I like Blade Tidwell, but <laughs> Pete Alonzo, number one, you're a Florida Gator. You're a piece of crap. Mason Wynn for the uh, Cardinals made his major league debut. Gets a hit, an infield single, uh, beats it out. Pete Alonzo, you know, gets the ball at first base, but it's late. First career hit in the MLB. And what does Pete Alonzo do? Chucks the ball into the stands. What a freaking jackass. Did he know, which might be worse, did he know it was his first career hit and he's like being a dick or like what's the deal? Uh, I think so. Okay. I don't think he like realized in the moment like what it was. Okay, but I mean, have a clue, man. Have some right. Still, kind of a fail to like. Baseball is a slow enough game. You should be able to understand like who's hit, who's bad. Yeah, everybody was like standing up, giving like a standing <laughs> ovation. He just like, oh yeah, toss. They really like this guy, huh? <laughs> also, it was like a normal play. I'm not sure why he just thought he would just toss it in the stands. Yeah, that's kind of – I didn't understand that exactly either. Like, <laughs> yeah. would the ball not technically still be in play at that point? Yeah, maybe he did got the, runner, the park home run. Should've. Did he – what, did he, hit a sing, did he hit a single? Yeah. Shouldn't he get a double then at that point by rule? I think they already, like, called time. Oh, they already called time. Okay. Yeah. Which and probably should have been another clue, like, maybe this play is bigger than a normal play. Yeah, and he was just like – I mean, chucks it, <laughs> like, halfway up. It would have been great if uh, – uh, if he was able to throw it like it was like in San Francisco and he had thrown it into the Bay or something. Oh yeah. It, it would have been funny if like he tried to throw it and it like hit the net and like just bounced like right back to Mason win. I guess that would have right. been, he'd been like, yeah. Oh yeah. I did on purpose, but right. Yeah. Florida Gator just have a clue. Polar bear. All right. 
fat. <laughs> All right. Uh, my fail. I got to go back at, at Nashville fans for a second here. Uh, they're like, I mean, they're similar to Tennessee fans. Some of there's a lot of crossover. I'm sure uh, there was a media member who had been kind of bashing the city of Nashville and its fans the whole week. And so I get it, go after them. Um, she wasn't covering the game and she took a picture with Messi after the game. And all these people are like calling out her journalistic integrity. <laughs> They're like, how dare, like, how dare you like put her, you can't, you know, you're showing your bias, all this stuff. Number one, Messi's the goat. Number two, I feel like it's very common they, in the NCAA tournament at the end of the season. Uh, I'm blanking on his name now, gave his tie out to a guy every year. No one bats an eye. I don't know. I don't think taking a picture with someone like Messi is bad as a journalist, even if you're covering the game. You you go yeah. interview him after, you're not going to take a picture with him? Get out of town. Also, like, you are, would you take a picture with Tim Tebow? Me? Absolutely yeah. not. Okay. Never mind. I think Tim Tebow's a fraud. Okay. Um, maybe bad example. Uh, Peyton Manning covering a game? 100%. Well, what about Tom, Tom Brady? Someone like I hated because of the Peyton rivalry. Yes, a thousand percent. Okay. Yeah. So I understand. LeBron, who I like making fun of, he's the goat. I'm taking a picture with him. What about KD? Taking a picture with him. Okay, Steph. Oh, thousand percent. Begging him to play golf with me. I'm trying to think of somebody else who's just like. What about a. Uh... Brittany Mahomes. I'll take a picture of Brittany. <laughs> what about Jackson? Absolutely not. <laughs> I think Brittany is a product of her environment. She's like that one friend that you're like, man, if she could just get away from that friend group, she'd be fine. But she gets yeah. sucked back in. She has to hang out with Jackson every Sunday. Yeah, that's true. I think we should ship Jackson to like Alaska. Somewhere there. We should build an internet for Jackson Mahomes that no one else can see but Jackson Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has enough money to do this. He should build an internet for him where like he sees these fake views, he sees the retweets, the reposts, all that stuff. So he gets that, you know, that high from it, that serotonin. Yeah, but none of it's real. Nobody else can see it but Jackson Mahomes. That would be hilarious. I think that'd be smart because the dude's an, an idiot. Clearly. And yeah. Patrick, if you're listening, let's get working on this. Yeah. I can I protect, a, your, I can protect your $100 million contract if you'd like. There you go. This is why I should be a manager. I've already gotten some one person a deal just through one tweet. I can do it. We mentioned Jared Dickey. Dude, he's lighting it up. Love it. The GOAT. And, and more important issues may have a, a new correspondent. In, in double-A baseball. What? More important issues may have a new correspondent in double-A baseball. Jared's mom sending all the highlights. Like, we're never going to fall behind there. Oh, yeah, I know. I love it. So, yeah, we're good. We're cold. Yeah, he's uh, he's lining it up. I think he's had 10 RBIs since he joined um, the team. So The yeah. man just scores. Well, and he may not score. He's an, he's an assist guy. Yeah, I mean, the, all he does is hit. Professional hitter. It was a good weekend for a lot of balls. It was, yeah. Chad Dallas did well. Trey Lipscomb home run. Trey Lipscomb. Jake Rucker. Gilbert, Jake Rucker. Had a, yeah, had a home run. Somebody yeah. have a triple? I almost said it was Jake Rucker. Jared Dickey. Jared Dickey's was a triple. That's right. Yeah. 
is an RBI triple, right? Gone first. Yep. Yeah. Just love it. It's a Drew Beam effect. We have Drew Beam on the pod. They all go off. Drew, you're gonna yeah. come on next week, man. We're trying to get your your teammates paid. Yeah, we got to get we got to get Xander on there too. Yeah. Xander's coming on soon, but yeah. he has to bring Major League Chew with him when we do it. It's only Big League Chew. Big League Chew. Okay. Major League Chew. Right. <laughs> never get it right. Major League Chew's kind of a banger of a name. I don't know why you're laughing. I think they should rebrand. I think there there would be some uh, copyright infringement on there. Don't care. Yeah, whatever. Send the cease and desist. Yeah. I'll piss on it. <sighs> All right. Anything else? That's it for me. Guys, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you all for buying up all those hats. There are There is one left. Roback, too. Um, yep. Go we check out Roback. done it. Yep. Make sure you go do it if you haven't. Yeah, we'll, we'll tweet out another thing for that this week. But, uh, yeah, 20% off your first purchase. Use promo code More Important Issues. Um, they got great quarter zips, um, hoodies, polos, shirts, uh, shorts, joggers, pants, women's wear. So uh, a lot of great stuff on there. Great quality. Go check that out. Um, but we appreciate you all listening to this episode. Thanks, Ryan, for coming on. Um, once again, always a, a great guy to talk some ball with. And uh, we'll see you guys back on Thursday. Man, we're getting close. And we're bringing the boat in, and we out.